Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Aaron Ladd of KSHB 41 Action News in Kansas City, talking all things Chiefs football and more with Aaron when he joins us coming up later on in the show. Also have our O'Connor Advisory Group, Pigskin Pick'em, Tom Fullery, all your favorite segments and more coming up on today's show. A reminder, as always, to subscribe to the Jones Report on Apple, Spotify, and Google Play. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, how are we doing today, man? You know, just uh, coming up on Christmas. And, Jones, we are in, in – I saw your let's, – let's talk about it real quick before I even say it. You tweeted something out, and I even hopped on Facebook and saw it. You said, what did you say about Christmas? Overrated or most, you, most overrated you holiday. You got some flack. I did. It you did. got some flack. It did, especially in these times with the pandemic and everything, with everybody looking for some joy of some sorts. And I got called a Grinch, a Scrooge, about everything you could think of. Because here is my belief when it comes to Christmas, Tom, is Christmas is something that should take no more than one, maybe two days max as far as celebrating goes. And people already begin celebrating this thing before even Thanksgiving started. Halloween hasn't even finished, and people are already throwing up Christmas lights and selling stuff in the stores nowadays. Christmas takes way too long. There's too much drama to it. You got stuff like Elf on the Shelf, which is just creepy as hell. I don't need that in my life. Christmas takes way too much time. And then the end-all, be-all on the holidays, the holiday season, Tom, is that you go to somebody and say, hey, can we schedule a meeting? Could be just friendly, could be business, maybe you want to go to lunch, whatever it may be. Uh, you know what? Can we do it after the holidays in the new year? What are you doing on a Tuesday afternoon at 1 o'clock on the 22nd or the 15th? Nothing. You're using that as an excuse. So that is my beef with the holiday season. takes way too much time. People are way too dedicated, way too focused to it. And I know that some folks will say, well, Tyler, you're taking off work from the 16th until the 3rd of January. Is that a little hypocritical? No, I haven't used any vacation all year. I've worked my ass off all year. I have earned this time off, and if I don't take it now, I will lose it. And it just so happens to be at the end of the year. I'm not taking this time off because it's Christmas. I'm taking this time off because I have to. So uh, there is my rant, Tom. Uh, I, I've covered a few things. You should have thrown Billy Donovan in there just for the heck of it. I don't know how you'd fit him in, but you should have. Jones, I somewhat agree. I am fine with 25 days of Christmas. That is fine with me. You get 25 days to play your bullshit Christmas music that's played every single year. You want to break out the Michael Buble Christmas album for 25 days? Fine by me. What I'm not okay with is starting celebrating Christmas before Thanksgiving. Uh, Jones working, you know, this job, been at it for mm, almost two months now. Um, the first day of November, I go into their little convenience store. This is in the Oklahoma Surgical Hospital building or one of the ORU-owned buildings um, on whatever, 81st and pretty much Riverside, essentially, at this point. Um, and I go in there to get a snack or a drink or something, 
in day one of November, they are playing Christmas music. And I'm like, no, 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 like, no. And I'm like, no, like, that's all I could say. I was like, why, why are we doing this? No, have your 25 days. And after that, I don't want to, I don't want to hear the Mariah Carey Christmas. I don't want to hear them. And I like Michael Buble Christmas album. I think it's great. But after that, no. After that, no. Oh, yeah. And not not before Thanksgiving. And I- really, I think it should be December 1. December 1, it gives you a couple days after Thanksgiving to, you know, put up your false <laughs> That's fine. But anything other than that, I'm just like, okay, can we not? And I get it. People say the reason for the season and all this. Christmas has become way too commercial. Amen. And maybe it's, maybe it's always been commercial. And we just didn't realize as kids, you know, we didn't really take heed to that. Yeah. But it's gotten ridiculously commercial. Oh. And I I even told my family, Jones, I told my mom this the other day. I said, and, and mute me if you will, because I'll curse here. I said, Christmas presents. I'm, you know, there's people that I end up buying for that I really don't want to buy for, <laughs> but I feel like I have to. There or you know, I have some friends that I've bought Christmas presents and they bought Christmas presents for me, but it was really I just saw something I thought they might like and it just so happened to be that time. And I'm over here like I don't want anybody to buy a Christmas present for me that I may have forgotten about or then be expected to exchange one back. And I'm just like, listen, I told my mom this the other day and I talked in, in verbatim, I said, Listen, mom, f- Christmas presents. Cause she was asking me what all I wanted and stuff. And I said, I don't really want for anything. I said, at this point, you know, if you surprised me and paid my car payment for the month, that would be a happy, I would be happy as day. Um, but I said, realistically, let's, let's do this instead. Quit stressing about buying Christmas, what everybody wants for Christmas and go shopping and spend all this money. And I say next year when COVID's hopefully done and over with, or, you know, at least at bay, we just take a family vacation. Everyone pays their part. We go, you know, I don't know, somewhere. We can all draw straws, and the first person that, you know, that that draws one gets to pick the location within monetary means, I guess, for everybody. But everyone pays their own part, and then that next year, someone else gets to pick where they go, and then it just resets the first person, like a, like a draft, you know? Sure. Like a draft. Oh, yeah. And I thought, that's way better than even think, you know, instead of thinking about Christmas presents, all you have to do is pay your share of the hotel and, and figure out how to get there and then kick kick it there for three, four, right. five days or however long. Well, and, and that's the thing is that I am not this hater of Christmas by any means. Um, I enjoy the Christmas holiday, uh, but there's just too much that comes with it. You know, all the, the family drama and the gift buying and all that uh, comes down to it just takes way too much time. Thanksgiving's the best day of the year. It's already passed. We get to just sit around, eat food, and watch football. Sign me up. We, we should do Thanksgiving three or four times a year as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, but Christmas is just too much, um, personally speaking. And I love the idea of traveling. What was that movie, Tom? Uh, Christmas with the Cranks, I believe, had a similar plot where the uh, mom and dad decided they weren't going to celebrate Christmas and instead go on a vacation and the entire town rioted and, and basically guilt-tripped them into celebrating Christmas that year. Um, you know, catch your drift, Snowplow, whatever you want to do. You want to go on a vacation? You don't want to give gifts if you want to 
you know, donate stuff to a charity or something like that, by all means, knock yourself out. Do what you want with your holiday. Um, I am very non-traditional, Tom. Um, you know, one day I will get married, hopefully. And, you know, what I've always said I'll do is I'll probably go to the courthouse uh, within a couple days of getting engaged, go get a, a contract, and then eventually hold a ceremony down the line. And then we have a year or so, whatever it may be, to plan an actual wedding. Um, you know, I don't like doing things just because precedent was there. Uh, just because you've done things a certain way for so many years doesn't mean you did things the right way for that many years. And that's the way I look at Christmas, is that we've made it too much into a big deal than what it is. Um, Christmas, you know, the, the true meaning of it and what it's all about is is great. But we have commercialized it too much. I'm 100% there with you, Tom. Um, you know, let's let's take things back down a little bit, settle settle down a little bit when it comes to Christmas and all that comes to that. And you know, Christmas music, Christmas movies, all that stuff's fine. But let's uh, let's have a reality check of some sorts. In fact, I went to the theater a couple nights ago. I watched Die Hard, which is a fantastic Christmas movie, by the way. Saw it in theaters. That movie, Tom, um, when it came out in theaters, I wasn't even born yet. And so that was a cool experience to, to see that in the theaters and for theaters to be safe again and all that uh, was great to see. So uh, I'll make the most out of this Christmas holiday, but I'm not going to stress and go over the top about it like so many people are. Yeah, I'm not going to get crazy with it. And like I said, the, the traveling, I mean, at the end of the day, for sure, do whatever you want. But by God, can we not have the Christmas music in grocery stores before Thanksgiving? I mean, if I have to shop, you know, I have a pair of Air- AirPods. I have them. Um, you know, I and I, I wear them out. I don't, I don't necessarily grocery shop with with earphones in, but this time of year I do, and it's because I don't. I hate, and maybe the thing is, Jones. When I was like fifteen, sixteen, my first jobs, two of them were in grocery store. Um, and so it's the same playlist over and over and over again. And, and I even worked at, at Phillips 66 here in Bartlesville that we listened to Bartlesville radio during the day. Well, December, well, the day after Thanksgiving, you know, if you'd come back the last Thursday of, you know, November, if you happen to have, you know, happen to come back on a Monday and it was still November, um, automatically the, the Bartlesville radio station switches over and, and does Christmas music all day. And I was like, I can't stand this. And unfortunately, that was the only station, Jones, that came in to the part of the office I was Ooh, in. Oh, rough. And it was just like, I was like, just turn, I was like, just turn the son of a bitch off. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that really, I was like, I can't, I don't even want to hear it. Oh. You, know, one, you know, a couple of days is fine, but it was over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I was like, you know what? I don't. I, Jones, when you type this out, when we when we do this, you know, we start we always start the first part of the show with just what's happening. And we, sometimes we get off on tangents, but I felt like this was necessary. I want you to put on just for the show day, description on the show description. I want you to just put in all caps war on Christmas and that's it. <laughs> oh, we have taken on the war on Christmas. We can piss some people off. We could. We could. And I'm fine with it. Haters going to hate. 
As long as they give us a five-star review. Right, exactly. <laughs> and a nice holiday greeting on that five-star review. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Telling us why you hate Christmas, too. Uh, <laughs> on that note, let's move on. Um, Tom, starting with the Kansas City Chiefs, last week against the Broncos, nothing too flashy by any means uh, with the way that they played, but that's been kind of par for the course the last few weeks. The Chiefs aren't you know, winning by these ginormous margins of sorts, but they haven't needed to the way this team has played. And I think that one thing that we've learned after the first year of Andy Reid in Kansas City was that if Andy doesn't have to show you something, he's not going to show it to you. And what we've figured out is, you know, there was four minutes on the clock the other night, and the Chiefs still ran out all that time to seal a victory instead of putting up points and cover up the spread. And I know that it's killed me the last couple of weeks in picks of picking the Chiefs to cover the spread. We'll talk about that more later as we pick the game against the Dolphins. Um, but their job is not to make you and Vegas happy. It's to go win football games. And they might be a little conservative towards the end of games there, but that's how they're doing things right now. And – it's just a matter of that they don't need to. They don't need to do anything more. If they need to do more, they will do more later on. But here they are at this point in the season, and you know we, we continue to evaluate this team each week. And um, you, you look at offensively, it's all there for this team. Um, you didn't have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire last week, but you had a nice performance out of Le'Veon Bell. That's what they've been waiting to see. Patrick Mahomes had a good game, but not a great game last week, but you look at it, that touchdown that uh, should have been called to Tyreek Hill, you add that, uh, another touchdown to McCall Hardman, then maybe we view that game differently. But he has been, I think, the MVP this season. Um, you know, the skill positions, you got all those guys back and and uh, adapting to playing with those guys again. Things are going well there for that group. Um, the story with this team is your your offensive line is getting better, and Mitchell Schwartz should be back here soon. Um, that was a, a big question mark that you had with this team from the beginning of the year with how short they were on offensive linemen, um, that as this year has gone along, the offensive line has gotten better and better every single week, so that's big. But the defense and the recipe for this Chiefs team the way that they have set up this thing, and I feel like I talk about this almost every other week, but the way that they set up this defense was that the front seven has to do their job to bail out the secondary, as um, we have not seen the Chiefs spend a whole lot of money when it comes to the cornerback positions. But what's been unique about 2020, and not a, in a good way, is that the pass rush has not been there for Kansas City. Another game this past week where the Chiefs did not have a single sack. And in particular, Frank Clark and uh, Chris Jones are just off right now. In particular, Frank Clark. You're spending $100 million between those two players alone. And what are you getting? Nothing. Um, That's ridiculous. Frank Clark, Chris Jones, those guys have to step up. Now, fortunately, you played Denver. And Drew Locke's just not a very good quarterback. So you got bailed out there. But now you play a Dolphins team that, whether we see Fitzmagic or Tua, I believe Tua's going to play, 
Um, you know, both those guys, I mean, hell, a mop bucket would be better than Drew Locke at this point. Um, you know, they'll, they'll play better. The, the Dolphins are a team that's getting better each and every week. I like the talent, what Brian Flores is doing with that squad. I don't expect the Chiefs to, to be losing on Sunday by any means, but they'll certainly be tested. And a mobile quarterback like Tua, especially if you face him, you got to get some pressure of some sort. It's time to wake up. The Chiefs are, I think, the best team in football, and they're in good position to get home field advantage because I firmly believe the Steelers are going to win another, are going to lose another game in this next four-game stretch. Um, but you look at this group, start getting something going because um, this is not going to work every single week of, if the defensive line does not do that their part. Something has got to change with that group here pretty soon. Yeah, and to just hey, here's my thing. I don't think the Broncos have that good of an offensive line. And, you know, I'm not versed in, you know, the best O-lines in the league, to be honest. But I can guarantee you, just telling by the record, Broncos probably don't have a good offensive line, statistically speaking. I mean, I, I would imagine they're mid-20s on, on the O-line stats there. Uh, I, I would guess that they're about 25th, 26th in the league O-line, as far as the O-line goes. Um, you got to get at least one. I mean, it's the Broncos. Like, yeah, you know, and I'm, I guess I'm spoiled being a Rams fan, so I've come to expect sacks. Um, but to, like you mentioned, the money thing, $100 million between two players, and you don't get one. I mean, not even those two players. So, okay, sure, if they, you know, go against Clark and, and Chris Jones and kind of tee off on them and make that part of their game plan to protect the quarterback. Alex Okafor is still getting paid good, too. Right, you don't free up anybody else. And Jones, here's another thing that I look for for the Chiefs timeline this week. Here's what I really think about, and and, and I'm sure you might have given this a little thought too. Uh, there's a person on that Dolphins of defensive line uh, that's going to have a little bit something to say, and maybe not a revenge factor, but against the former team, you're always going to want to show out. And Emmanuel Ogba has had a great season for for the Dolphins. Yeah, he has. Um, and he's been incredible. I, I've been a fan of Emmanuel for a long time since he was at Oklahoma State, and I know you have too. And I was so excited when they brought him in last year. And he was leading the team in sacks before he got injured and he was out for the year. And I was really hoping, like, man, can they find a way to bring him back? Because uh, he is a special player and he doesn't cost a whole lot of money. And then he finds his way to Miami. And he left on good terms. There was no hard feelings or anything like that. But all of a sudden, Tom, you have turned your asset asset into your problem. Um, that Chiefs offensive line that we mentioned, yes, they are getting better each week. Um, I think that they're in for a challenge going up against Emmanuel Ogba. And I know that you and I have liked him, but a lot of folks had written off Emmanuel Agba before he came to Kansas City two years ago. He was looked at as a second or third string player. Now, Emmanuel Agba, getting the respect he deserves, he stayed healthy this year, he is going to be uh, difficult for the Chiefs to match up with. Right, and you know he's going to want to, I mean, like you said, didn't go on bad terms or anything, but 
you know, at the same time, like I mentioned, you're going to always want to show up against your former team. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you leave on bad terms or not. That's just, it's called, you know, if you don't leave on bad terms, it's called friendly competition. If you leave on bad terms, it's called revenge. A la what Des Bryant wanted to do. Um, you know, Ravens Cowboys this week got ruled out for COVID. A la probably what Jamal Adams wants to do against the Jets this week. Um, Le'Veon Bell, what he wanted to do against the Jets. You know, it does. You good terms, bad terms be damned. You're always going to want to show out against your former team. And I, you know, Spags has got to be like, hmm, seeing, you know, seeing your boy Ogba go at it and think, we're paying Jones and Clark all this money. But hey, I wonder what we could have kept Ogba around for. You know, maybe right. one of the, you know, a rare misfire, maybe by Veach and, and, um, Andy Reid, and, and I get he was injured and came in for a year, you know. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I mean, if we can find one small thing to knock the Chiefs for, maybe that's it. And at the grand scheme of things, not huge. But at the same time, the defensive line and the lack of sacks or the lack of pressure, you know, when you get in the playoffs, I mean, you you need to start getting hot now. Like, I mean, you need it's got to be a little bit more. If you want to make right. that second Super Bowl run, defensive line is as critical as offensive line play. Yeah, it is. And you look at this Dolphins team this weekend. Nobody's expecting the Dolphins to win on Sunday. Um, you know, their chances of winning this game are very low. I think that the Dolphins have a good chance of competing, making it interesting anyway, but no one's given them a chance to win this game. Um, but just matchup-wise... I don't know if Miles Gaskin is going to be able to give it a go or not. I know that you know he's he's questionable, but you got Tua, who we know is a very good runner of sorts. Yes, the Raiders beat the Chiefs head to head in a shootout of sorts, but that was an anomaly. The best way to still beat the Kansas City Chiefs is running the football and playing ball control football, wear out clock, and keeping the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. Um, you know, looking at matchups and, and such, if Gaskin's healthy, if Tua is playing at what he's capable of being, maybe the Dolphins you really put an emphasis on running the football. Maybe they even play some option. I don't know what they do. Um, but that's going to be their best path to victory. That's going to be their best chance, and they're certainly capable of it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not writing off the Dolphins and and we will, you know, talk to, you know, talk about this more later on. But, um, you know, the Dolphins, in my mind, are a whole lot like the Bills, you know, got hot, kind of got cold, kind of got more hot. And, you know, the Dolphins, I feel like are, are, you know, playing decent right now. You know, if the Chiefs were going to lose another game, this one is very losable. Um, if, you know, if the offensive line doesn't play right or, and maybe more so, I'm not too worried about Tua taking over and winning the game. Uh, but it is in Miami, uh, which, you know, cool for the chiefs. They get to go back to where they won the super bowl, but also for the dolphins. I mean, the dolphins have some shit to play for as well. I mean, you have the bills right there. I mean, that, that AFC race is not spoken for yet as far as bills versus dolphins. 
Uh, I mean, it's not, you know, and, and the Bills, you know, obviously don't have the easy game either this week. So this is a big, you know, the Bills and Dolphins are playing against the AFC's top two teams. Um, and there's, there's a lot on the line this week. I, I don't, Jones, for, you know, Chiefs fans, and, you know, we, we talk a lot of Chiefs here. Sure. I and I'm I'm not a Chiefs fan, obviously, but I keeping you know Dad is and you know you cover him and all that. Don't discredit what Brian Flores has done. Don't walk into Miami thinking you know what? Okay, it's you know the Dolphins have a good year, but it's still the Dolphins. I thought that as a Rams fan going into Miami and lost with an ass whooping. Um, and obviously the Chiefs are a little bit better than the Rams are, but uh, I mean, this is not your grandma's Miami Dolphins. No, it's not. No, um, Brian Flores has done a heck of a job there. Uh, he's a great coach, and you know I was a believer in what he's been doing pretty quickly. That team last year was set up to fail. Everyone thought that they were going to tank and be an zero and sixteen or one and fifteen ball club, and they didn't have the worst record. They didn't have the second worst record. Heck, they didn't have the third worst record. They had the fifth worst record in the league way overachieved last year, and they're overachieving again this year. So Flores is doing a good job. The, the one thing I would say um, that I would count against Flores is I don't like how he's handled that quarterback situation there in Miami. To start the year with Fitzpatrick, he's playing well, and then all of a sudden you say, you know what, ah, go ahead, let's put two in. Why didn't you start two at the beginning of the season then? Why are you benching Fitzpatrick? Patrick when he's playing well and then only a couple weeks later after two is playing well gets the big win against the Rams and such then you bench him and then you put him back in and then he gets hurt and then Fitzpatrick comes in then two it comes back in um that would be my one knock on Flores is how he's handled that quarterback position um if I'm Spags and company that's where I'm licking my chops is saying that you know what yeah they got talent they got two good quarterbacks but they haven't necessarily figured out how to use them yet. That's where I like a matchup if you're the Chiefs and company. If you're looking for that defensive line to get back on track and, and get those sacks and company, um, that's what you like to see is knowing that their biggest fall right now is how they've handled their quarterbacks, and I think that all goes back to coaching. Yeah, I think it does too. And, and uh, you know, I think that, that Spags can, you know, maybe throw a wrench in that and, uh, you know, Granted, you know, when Fitzpatrick, you know, they'd given the job to Tua and Fitzpatrick pretty much came out and, and let everybody know that, hey, he accepts it at the same time. He's a little I mean, he was a little hurt by it just because he had been playing so well. He knew that that was the end game. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, OK, Fitzpatrick is playing well. And Tua, you know, when Fitz got hurt a little bit and came in, did well and had a few games, then had a bad game, and then they said, you know what, we'll just roll back with Fitz. You know, I don't know. I agree with you there. I'm, I'm not sure that that was the best strategy. I think the Chiefs, and I think Spags has the game plan to do it or can, can rattle a younger quarterback like that. I mean, Fitzpatrick maybe not, but, uh, I mean, use for the Chiefs, use what you can to your advantage and if that's one of them you know nitpick at it as much as possible 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think you're absolutely right about that. And uh, we'll talk plenty more about the Chiefs and the Dolphins. Aaron Ladd going to join us coming up later on. Also, it'll be one of the games we pick in our Pigskin Pick'em presented by O'Connor Advisory Group coming up later in the show as well. Let's go around the rest of the National Football League top. Let's start out with tonight's game. Thursday night football, the Patriots taking on your Rams. We're going to pick this one coming up later on in the show. Tom, a week ago, I think we look at this game and say, okay, you know, the Rams taking on a mediocre Patriots team that's been up and down, inconsistent. But the way the Patriots played last week in, you know, just putting the hammer down on uh, the Chargers there at SoFi, I think that caught everybody's attention of some sorts. The The Rams cannot take this game lightly. No, they definitely can. And I know it's a SoFi, but uh, the Patriots are in um, – they are in L.A. currently, and they have been. It's a Thursday night game. Uh, you know, it's not like anybody's had any extra time off. Um, the Patriots, I feel like I saw a stat that they're pretty good so far on, on Thursday night games and have been. I know it's a little bit different situation uh, in New England, but, uh, you know, you come off, you just played in that same stadium, uh, you know, SoFi, great stadium, you know, beautiful. You've been there, you know, they've just played a game in there, got got the feel for it. It's not like brand new to them. Uh, you go in and you blow the doors off the Chargers. They don't even score a touchdown. And now you're sitting right back there in L.A. having spent more time in L.A. this week than the Rams will because the Rams were in Arizona and and flew back Sunday night. Um, Rams are atop the NFC West. Patriots are, you know, at this point, they don't really have anything to play for other than pride and to – you know, show the West Coast what the East Coast is about. Um, Maybe it sets up as a trap. Well, you know, we'll talk about it later on. But, you know, Bill Belichick has a little experience against Jared Goff. um, And and I think that's going – like I said, we'll talk about it more later. But Jared Goff is the key for both teams for victory. Yeah. Um, Also, my guy Robert Woods. I love Robert Woods. Um I've said it, and I'll say it again, the most underrated receiver in football. He's got to have a big night um, for the Rams, uh, I think, in this one. Should be fun coming up on Thursday night football. The Sunday slate, the Texans take on the Bears 2 o'clock on Sunday. The Bears' season has just gone down the toilet. They were 5-0 and not too long ago. Now they've lost seven straight, including a debacle last week just to collapse uh, against the Lions at home. Texans are 4-8. and eight. They've played some better football as of late. Deshaun Watson, uh, 3,500 yards, 24 touchdowns. He's had a good year, but he hasn't had much help. Um, Tom, I, I think the Texans will win this game, uh, but the Bears, I'll say, if, if I'm going to say a positive, is that they have shown more life offensively the last couple of weeks. Mitch Trubisky hasn't been bad. Um, yes, he did have that fumble, but um, he's not been necessarily wide that they've lost the last couple of weeks. Mitch actually needs some more help. It sounds weird to say, but this isn't all on a Trubisky with uh, the Bears' woes here uh, with that team right now. Um, if you are the Bears, though, this is another game where you're shaking your head like, great, we got to play another quarterback we passed on in the draft, not just Patrick Mahomes. Right, no joke. And, and... – 
you know, for the Bears, you know, they could have had that win against the Lions and, uh, you know, the first game that Matt Patricia is is fired, you know, sure enough, the Lions come in and get the better of the Bears. And now maybe the Bears, it's time for them to fire their own coach. Jones, we are a pro-fire year football coach uh, pod here. And Matt I'm Nagy got to go. Surprised. Is, um, is Matt Nagy gone? I Maybe like not. I like Matt Nagy uh, personally. Um, he would be one that I actually would not enjoy seeing be fired. Um, he's a heck of an offensive mind. I think he's just in a terrible situation. But it might be best for all parties involved to just move on there um, in uh, that situation. Remember, Nagy did not choose Trubisky. Um, that was, uh, you know, the uh, – GM and all that before he got there. So I won't hold that against Nagy, but you do have to wonder what his future is like there in Chicago. Cowboys taking on the Bengals. I don't know why anyone would put themselves through watching this football game, um, but nonetheless, it is going to occur. It is happening in Cincinnati. No Joe Burrow, of course, he's out for the year. Andy Dalton taking on his old team. Now, we talk about revenge, Tom. Um, I know the Cowboys just suck. I know how awful they are, but I would be kind of surprised if Andy Reed, if uh, if Andy Dalton does not play well against his former team there in his return to Cincinnati. Uh, you know he's going to want to, and like the Emmanuel Ogba that we talked about, I don't think he left on bad terms either. It was just kind of the like uh, boys to men into the road situation um, for both of them, and I think he probably, you know, kind of knew that it was the end of the road, and so so did the Bengals and you know, better, you know, maybe better off in both situations, maybe not for Andy Dalton being a backup, but you know, now he's the starter for the Dallas Cowboys. So maybe not terrible. Um, you know, he's going to want to play well and the Bengals are just as bad as the Cowboys. This is the barn burner game of the week, man. Um, you, gonna be uh, ugly. you don't want to watch this game unless you absolutely have to. Uh, this is the one that you make your relatives watch for you instead. The uh, Cardinals taking on the Giants. Tom, these two teams, their seasons are going in different directions here. Giants are tied for first place in the NFC East. They've been on a roll at 5-7. and seven. Um, I don't know if Daniel Jones is going to be back or not, but either way, Colt McCoy played solid last week. Kyler Murray's had a great year. Uh, so has DeAndre Hopkins and company, but uh, they have just struggled as of late. Must-win game for both these teams. Tom, I would lean towards the Cardinals, but... I'm certainly not counting out the Giants. Uh, they have been one of the biggest surprises, even though they're five and seven, still not a great record. That's certainly a big shock to see them uh, playing as well as they've had here the last couple of weeks. Yeah, they really have, and, and they, I mean they've done, you know, they've really done a lot in the past few games, and I feel like their defense has gotten a lot better. Uh, I mean, it's obviously a must-win for the Cardinals. Uh, I mean, to even. You know, they got to keep their playoff hopes alive with, you know, what, four games left, something like that. Um, I mean, they're, see, the Cardinals aren't even out of it, right? And, and you know, anything less than the first place finish, though, for the Giants is going to count them out of the playoffs. But for the Cardinals, you know, you're right there, you know, with Seattle um, for that second place. And, and, I would imagine a second place finish in the NFC West is going to get you a playoff spot. And 
at this point, maybe even a third place finish, you know, they need a little bit of help, um, but not totally out of the realm. So the Cardinals still have something to fight for. And, but, but like you mentioned with the way the giants have been playing and in first place, they have pretty much everything to fight for it's essentially a, a home playoff game, which will, you know, essentially might be against the second place NFC West team. I mean, this might not be the last time if things fall where they may for the Giants and the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah, certainly so. The uh, Vikings taking on the Buccaneers. Bucks are seven and five, coming off a bye week. The Vikings have been such a mess. Tom, uh, I will be very surprised if the Bucks do not win this game coming off a bye. They know what they need to do to get that uh, number five playoff spot. The division's pretty much wrapped up with the Saints at this point. But that number five spot, knowing you get to play the NFC champion, NFC East champion, is so coveted right now. Um, the uh, Bucks, they, they really uh, need to show up, and I, I expect them to coming up on Sunday. Jones, considering our bet, I might go to the smoke shop for this game and get a can of Skull. Uh, might be dipping all game. Um because I will be a big Vikings fan considering our bet. But all things considered here, though, I have a hard time believing that the Bucks coming off a of bye week if Brady doesn't right the ship, uh, pun intended there, um, in Tampa Bay. But you know they're going to want to fight for that fifth spot. They know the Saints have it wrapped up. But what better way to start the playoffs than, you know, if you're not in first place and have the bye or even in first place in the division, um, and, and have an easier road than to have the alternate easiest road and get to play the NFC East, um, you know, champion there. Though I will say, Jones, what kind of weird, what kind of weird would it be? The Giants win the NFC East. We've seen the Giants in the least. We, we've seen them be the best in the East and also the least in the East in the playoffs and come through and shock the world before against the Tom Brady team. Um, I don't know. Right. A little foreshadowing there. Well, heck, Washington, I, I like the storyline. Heck, Washington just beat the best team in the league, you know, uh, record-wise. Um, there so you go. I don't think anybody should be sleeping on whoever is that NFC East champion hosting the home game. Uh, they proved it the last week that – you know they're not gonna, you know, just uh, not show up for anybody. You know they'll 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 be ready to go. Uh, they'll put up a fight of some sort. It's not just a given that you're gonna go in there and win that game. Broncos take on the Panthers. That game coming up at noon on Sunday from Charlotte. Uh, Tom, the Broncos, you you come so close against Kansas City. You you, you put everything out on there. I think now is the time where you say, well, now what? Um, I, I like Carolina and company to take care of business at home in uh, this game with, with Teddy and, and all. Um, Carolina should be able to handle business here. They deserve it. And and for Carolina, yeah, I know the season's, you know, kind of done and over with. And, you know, injuries to McCaffrey has kind of, I wouldn't say completely derailed their season, but, you know, has, has put a hurt on it. So, I, you know, I think for them, I think they have a whole lot to look forward to, but I, I think this week they should be fine. Yeah, I think so. Titans taking on the Jags. Titans coming off that loss at home to the Browns last week. 
The Jags have played some interesting games this year. They've been at least competitive. They're not a good team by any means. But, Tom, uh, the Titans here, they, they really need this one. Uh, Titans, there, there's no excuse for them not to win this game handily and uh, bounce back after that loss to the Browns last week. Yeah, they got a quick reality check last week. And, you know, the way the Colts have been on and off, and I know we'll talk about the Colts later on as well, but, you know, we wrote off the Colts and then, okay, we're writing them up again. Um, and now for the Titans, you look at that division like, hey, Titans kind of, uh, you know, they had all the all the talk, all the voice about them, and, and now it's time to put up or shut up this week. I mean, you, this is – I don't wouldn't call it a must win, maybe, but yeah, I mean, you got to get to go ahead and finish this off. I mean, you got this is the Jags. You got to take care of business. Well, and you're the Jags. You're trying to get that number one draft pick or high a draft pick as you can. Um, we don't know what their best effort is going to be or not. Um, Titans got to be on their A game to make sure that they don't let this one uh, get away from them because uh, the Jags have been competitive uh, as of late. Colts taking on the Raiders. We're going to pick this game coming up later on in the show. Colts at 8-4, Raiders at 7-5. Not sold on either one of these quarterbacks, Philip Rivers or Derek Carr, Tom, uh, but a crucial game for both these teams coming up on Sunday from Allegiant Stadium. Yeah, it is. It is in Vegas. Um, and Raiders have shown flashes of greatness. They've also shown flashes like last week against the Jets where they should have lost that game. Colts the same way. They've shown some really great games and, and some other games that mm, probably should have won and, and pulled a Phillip Rivers. Um, so it's two, I would almost say two identical teams. I know the Colts have been better as late, but I feel like these two teams are, are pretty neck and neck right one team's got a great offense and a bad defense and the other team's got uh an average offense and a great defense so contrasting styles but should be a fun one coming up on sunday we'll pick it later on in the show the seahawks uh had an embarrassing loss at home last week against the giants what better way to ask for a bounce back than to take on the 0-12 jets the seahawks just looks so dysfunctional last week. Russell Wilson um, was so off. DK Metcalf didn't play great. This team was just all out of sorts. Now you take on a Jets team that almost beat the Raiders last week. Tom, uh, Seattle, I, I think they bounce back, and they bounce back in a big way, and a lot of it just has to do with who they're playing. I mean, this Jets team is just simply not very good. There is no excuse. I don't care how bad that Seattle defense is for them not to have a big day at this point. Yeah, and, and that being said, we, we've kind of made it a theme of the show on revenge or playing against your former team. you got to think Jamal Adams finds a way to get a turnover in this game. You have to. I, I think Pete Carroll's – shouldn't be that hard against the Jets either. Right. You know, Pete Carroll's going to scheme him up. And Pete Carroll, as much as I don't like the Seahawks, I I, I hate to say this. I, I need to go wash my mouth out. I hate I hate and love Pete Carroll. I think Pete Carroll's a great coach. I think he brought in Jamal Adams. I think he's going to scheme up or have, have a scheme ready for Jamal Adams to, you know, do the most for him this week to try to get him an interception or, you know, a sack fumble, strip sack, something. Uh, you you got to think that's on the table for Seattle. And 
you know, I think Jamal Adams is, is probably thinking the same thing. Um, you know, I, Pete Carroll's that guy. And yeah. I think Jamal Adams is that guy. And like you said, thank God the Jets are still on the schedule. Right. Could not have come at a better time for Seattle. We go from Jamal Adams to Devontae Adams. The Packers going to Detroit to take on the Lions. Packers are a seven and a half point favorite. They're nine and three. Lions are five and seven. Tom, uh, this looks like a trap game all over. Uh, with Detroit getting the win last week against Chicago, we know their offense can put up points. The Packers' defense has struggled this season. Um, I think the Lions can make this an interesting game here coming up on Sunday. Uh, Packers got to have their best foot forward here. Yeah, and it is. I, I agree with you. I think it is a trap game as well. And you got to think that the Saints will be rooting for the Lions here. And, you know, the Packers are within reach of the Saints. And then at the same time, the Rams are within reach of the Packers for at least the second spot. Um, and so, the like you, like you mentioned, the Packers have to have their best foot forward here. Uh, but it, it, Detroit this week very much so does feel like Ames, Iowa. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Ames of the North, Detroit, Michigan. The Saints taking on the Eagles. Jalen Hurts will get the start at quarterback for the Eagles, his first career start. He looked pretty good coming in the second half for Carson Wentz. And we don't know what Carson Wentz's future is uh, at this point. Uh, the Eagles still have about four more years of guaranteed money to pay Carson Wentz. Uh, so that's a big problem on their hands. Meanwhile, Taysom Hill getting another start for the Saints. And what's interesting about this matchup is that Jalen Hurts was brought in to Philly to be sort of the Taysom Hill of the Philadelphia Eagles. Instead, both these guys are getting to start on Sunday. Um, here's what I like about Jalen Hurts coming in for Philadelphia. And I'm still not sold on Jalen Hurts as an NFL quarterback. Never liked it from the beginning of uh, when he came out. I think that you know he plays more a Taysom Hill style, should be an H-back, running back, tight end, something like that. He certainly is an NFL caliber player. I just don't know about him as a passer at this level. But with all that being said, the Eagles line is so bad. It, if you were an Eagles fan, last Sunday had to be, had to be refreshing that when the pocket collapsed, you had an answer for a guy that could actually go get first downs using his feet that was able to escape pressure and throw on the run. That should provide a spark of some sorts to the Eagles. It's not going to be good enough to win. The Saints are a much better football team than the Eagles are, but I expect improvement from the Eagles at home. Saints win, but I'm thinking it's about maybe a four- or five-point win. I'll take the Eagles to cover uh, this week at home against uh, the Saints, Tom. Yeah, I think they could. And, and uh, you know, I know Jalen is a former OU guy, and, you know, I feel about former OU guys. Um, but I'm excited for Jalen Hurts, and, and I feel much better as a Rams fan when they talk about golf, Wentz. I know Wentz has the Super Bowl, uh, even though he doesn't really deserve that. That's Nick Foles who deserves the credit there. But I feel a lot better now when we – see Carson Wentz and, and the struggles that the Eagles are going through when you go back to that draft, the golf Wentz uh, draft and that debacle. But um, that being said, I'm excited for Jalen Hurts. And, you know, he's got to be excited too. Uh, he's, you know, through everything, Jalen Hurts, I feel like, has been battle-tested. And, 
you know, what better place to be more battle tested than, uh, you know, in, in a, in a place like Philly where they say it's the city of brotherly love, but be the first one to throw batteries at you. Um, and you know, Philly's got to be an absolute dumpster fire right now on, you know, Wentz's performance and bringing in a quarterback that everyone freaked out when they drafted him, um, so early. So, you know, I'm excited for Hertz at the same time. I don't think it's going to be enough against the saints to say the least. I mean, I, I mean, I'm excited for Hertz. But at the same time, I mean, let's be realistic. The Saints have this in the bag. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think you're right about that. Chargers taking on the Falcons. Falcons have played some better football as of late. Chargers suffered their worst loss in franchise history last week to the Patriots, 45 to nothing. Special teams was horrible. Uh, Justin Herbert had one of the worst games of his career. It was just a bad day all around. Um I guess I would lean towards the Falcons in this game, but here's the story of this game, Tom. I was a defender of Anthony Lynn. I thought that he was doing a decent job, that um, the fact that they were even playing close to as they were in some games, um, to me, I'm like, you know what, at least they're competing at a high level, rookie quarterback and everything. But last week, just showing nothing, left a lot to be desired. If if they don't show a drastic improvement, a wake-up call of some sorts, then I think you have to wonder, is this team given up? Is it time to move on from Anthony Lynn? This is a huge week for Anthony Lynn and the future of the Chargers uh, right now, depending on how they respond in this game against Atlanta. They don't even necessarily have to win on Sunday, but they have to show a hell of a lot more fight than they did against New England last week. Yeah, they definitely do. And and I was a believer somewhat in Anthony Lynn, too. And Justin Herbert looked really good at the beginning of the season. And, then, you know, the wheels fell fell off there. Um, but what, you, what I think is funny that you, would, you mentioned about the Chargers and the Patriots game. You said somewhat of a bad day, and I sent you that. Uh, the Chargers' bad oh, yes. day video complication. Was that not just great? Oh, that was beautiful. I retweeted on my Twitter account at Tyler Jones Live. Fantastic. I mean, it's one of the better videos that I've seen. One of the, you know, you call it a meme video, essentially, and it's not a, you know, not a better song could have been put uh, to the tune of the misfortune of the Chargers this season. Um and, you know, I think Anthony Lynn can still pull it out, you know, if they, you know, if he gets another shot next year. And I think Justin Herbert will be an actually good NFL starting quarterback. But my God, uh, you know, at, at this point, I'm just happy it's not the Rams of their embarrassment of the L.A. I'm glad, that, you know, if, if we have to share a stadium with someone, I'm glad it's a team that's not as good. <laughs> oh, man. Washington taking on San Francisco. Uh San Francisco, this game's going to be played in Arizona again. They don't have their own stadium. We mentioned Washington on a roll right now. Uh, both these teams at 5-7. and seven. The big difference is one team is competing for a playoff spot. The other team is trying to find an identity of some sorts with Nick Mullins. Um, Washington here, Tom, I like what Alex Smith is doing in company. You talk about riding the hot hand and such. Um, Washington has turned a corner. Uh, that game against 
the Steelers on Monday was no fluke. This team is here to stay and uh, play some good football. Uh, I, I think that they'll be just fine come Sunday here against uh, the Niners there in uh, Glendale. Yeah, and you, you talk about the Washington football team and how they beat the, you know, beat the Steelers and just the comeback of Alex Smith. And they're going to the desert and playing the 49ers in Arizona. Jones, I'm all on board for calling this Washington football team the Washington Desperados. That's my pick. <laughs> that's that's my pick for their name. I love it. That sounds great. You know, maybe maybe a bandit-looking type logo with a bandana over the nose. That just embodies Alex Smith. I think that's the direction they should go. I mean, they're kind of like that or like the outlaws. I like what Washington's been able to do this season. You know, didn't start off too hot, but – Kind of really, I, I don't know if they've. I don't. It feels wrong to say maybe they found an identity when they don't really necessarily have one, <laughs> uh, right? I mean, but I like what the social the social media manager's doing as far as putting that office. If you haven't seen a Washington football team, whatever their Twitter ad is, and if you like the office, you'll enjoy what they tweeted out after beating the Steelers. Well, I'll leave that. In, in all seriousness, they're. Uh... Their identity is their defensive line. Uh, Chase Young. Yeah, they got eight guys on that defensive line that were picked in the second round or higher. Um, that group is phenomenal. Mike Tomlin even said to Chase Young before they played, dude, I looked at you in college and I said to myself, I don't want to be able to pick high enough to be able to get this guy. I mean – he just knew how special that Chase Young was, and and uh, what he brings to that Washington team, and and uh, that D line's just a hell of a fun to watch. Uh, that group, Steelers taking on the Bills. We're going to pick that game coming up later on in the show. Steelers eleven and one, Bills nine and three. Tom, uh, I think both these teams. It's it's not going to affect their playoff hopes by any means, but huge game when it comes to seeding and getting a feel for where you are among the elite in the AFC here. Um, this is about as big as it gets for a regular season game for both these teams here. Um, the Steelers, their elite defense going up against Buffalo and their high-powered offensive attack. This one's going to be a fun one. Guaranteed to be a great game coming up on Sunday night. Yeah, this has got to be the game of the week, honestly. Uh, I mean, the Bills coming off uh, a pretty solid win against the Niners. And then the Steelers, can they bounce back? I mean, that's the storyline. And, you know, Claypool, obviously rookie, said, you know, it, it got a lot of retweets on his other tweet of, you know, losing, never heard of her. Um, and then I, I believe he tweeted back that they'll bounce back. And, uh, you know, that will be, you know, you, you're not playing at Heinz Field. You're going to Buffalo. I mean, Steelers are no strange to cold weather. Guarantee you, you know, a December game of Buffalo is going to be a cold one. Um, night game at that. This is going to be this is going to be the game to watch for sure. Yeah, and uh, we mentioned we'll pick that game later. Also, another game we're going to pick: Ravens and Browns. Uh, looks like the Steelers have that division wrapped up, but a huge game in the AFC North when it comes to the playoff picture. Uh, Browns made quite the statement with what they did against Tennessee. Baltimore looked good against Dallas. Granted, it was against Dallas last week. Uh, Tom, I think that, you know, Baker Mayfield, we know that 
the way that he plays, that he's always got a little extra something in him. He's always looking for that motivation of some sorts. The fact that Lamar had the year he had last year and was the MVP, and now that he's had the better year than Lamar's had and his team's in better position and they're coming in with a better record and they're still not favored, I imagine Baker's still going to come in with a chip on his shoulder of some sorts. This Brown team, Brown's team is uh, you're going to play like they have something to prove, similar to what they did last week against Tennessee. Yeah, you know, and, and last Sunday – Baker obviously woke up feeling dangerous, and I, I think this coming weekend that he needs to wake up feeling dangerous again because if the Browns go in and, and do what they did like they get, did against the Titans, the Browns could really make a statement here. And I know the Ravens haven't had the best season, but just compared to where they were last year and, and just the you know the history that goes with that, the Browns could really make a statement this weekend. And, and I think the Browns need to recognize that and sure play to win the game. But also, if you're winning the game, go in and kick that ass if you can. I'm not saying the Browns are going to win the game. I'm just saying if you have the potential to do so, uh, this uh, a big win for the Browns would do a lot more just for the entire organization than it would in the win column. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And there you have it. That is our... Look around the National Football League. Let's move on, get to our Big 12 football breakdown. And the Big 12 title game is set. It's going to be Oklahoma taking on Iowa State. And that game will be played next week in Arlington. Uh, We know that's official now. Oklahoma's still going to play this week against West Virginia. Iowa State, they have completed their entire slate, got every game in, so they are off this week. These uh, four games that are going to be played this week at the Big 12 are all makeup games from earlier in the year to uh, try to get games in of sorts. But first off, just on the Big 12 championship matchup, let, let me say this, Tom. Um, Iowa State won earlier in the year in Ames, and I know that this is a much different Oklahoma team than what played in Ames on that night there uh, you know, early in the season. But the way Iowa State has played, with the talent that they have on the field with uh, Purdy and Brees Hall and Kolar, um, they have shown week in and week out that they can compete and they can hang with anybody. Um, that top ten ranking is uh, no joke. And they're a better team than what they were at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, from especially League One, losing to Louisiana Lafayette, they've come a long way themselves. So, what I would say is, yes, Oklahoma is the five-time defending Big 12 champions and that they have won every one of these Big 12 championship games since they've come back. But don't count out Iowa State. Iowa State is playing really good football. In fact, when you look at these Big 12 title games since it came back, I would venture to say, Tom, that Iowa State has the best chance of any of these teams that have been in the Big 12 title game uh, since it returned to beat Oklahoma of anybody. And, and, yes, it has to do with this Oklahoma team a little bit isn't what they've been maybe in those other teams. But this is quite the challenge out of Oklahoma. Don't count out Iowa State next week. Should be a heck of a football team game when these two teams get together uh, for the Big 12 title. I don't see either one of them making the playoff, uh, but a New Year's Six Bowl on the line, conference title, 
certainly will still feel like a lot to play for in a big stage next week. Yeah, I think so. And and I hate to say it, I am happy for Matt Campbell. If I wasn't going to be happy for my own team being there, um, I am happy for Matt Campbell. What a hell of a story! What a hell of a season that Iowa State's had. And you know, you you figured with maybe the year twenty twenty being the year, maybe oh, you would find a way to miss this game. Uh, you know, some just never changes. Um, so I, you know, I'll be the asshole and say that I'm going to be wearing, I'll be wearing red, but I won't be wearing cream. I'll be wearing yellow, uh, on the 19th, uh, for sure. I'll definitely be rooting in Iowa state and Jones, you, you mentioned the playoff outside shot here. If Iowa state's to win, obviously a very still outside shot there, but and maybe we, we talked about revenge, the whole the theme of the show so far, good or bad terms, is a somewhat revenge. I hope this is the year that Iowa State can, you know, maybe has an outside shot at the playoff if they beat OU. And then the college football committee goes, well, you know, you did lose that game to Oklahoma State. Um, just like Iowa State ruined Oklahoma State's chances at the BCS championship. Maybe maybe it comes back nine years later and ruins Matt Campbell's chance at a college football playoff. That's that's the revenge Tom talking. Yeah. Um, but can't say I wouldn't have my cake and eat it too if they beat OU, got considered for the college football playoff, and then they got ruled out. I mean, you, you, you may have won the battle, the head-to-head, but you didn't win the war. Iowa State's the one that's in the conference title uh, with a chance to win it all, and – and uh, Brees Hall, folks, you got to talk about him as a Heisman Trophy contender. This has been an incredible season that he's had and what Iowa State's done there. Um, I'll, I'll say this. One more point on just this Big 12 championship matchup is that with Iowa State is that we have been saying for the last couple of years that this team, um, you can't quite get over that hump to take that next step to be a serious threat. They're there now, and they got a great shot at winning. Iowa State has done everything and then some of what's been asked of them in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, credit where credit's due to Matt Campbell and company to get to that game. Um, this Oklahoma team with Ronnie Perkins and and uh, Stevenson back and some of those others, uh, watch out. Uh, it'll be a heck of a game coming up next week uh, when uh, when that does occur. Uh, coming up from Arlington. Meanwhile, this week in Big 12 play, Oklahoma takes on West Virginia, that game in Morgantown. West Virginia has never beat Oklahoma since they joined the Big 12 Conference. The only team that West Virginia has not beaten. The game is in West Virginia, as we mentioned. 11 a.m. coming up on Saturday. Oklahoma, a 14-point favorite. Uh, West Virginia, it's been an up-and-down year for the Mountaineers. Uh, I don't expect OU to have any problems this team has uh, really kicked it in gear and their defense has played a heck of a lot better here the last six weeks Tom. yeah they have and, and it i will say um what a, not you know what a better time for west virginia to just try and and get that win not only because ou i mean why they do have thing you know stuff to play for they already have the spot in the big 12 championship clinched um it's going to be a cold one uh, in Morgantown, I can guarantee that. And and I think OU still comes out motivated to play. I still think OU wins. But, you know, West Virginia, if, if you want to just talk about 
teams you haven't beaten yet since the time they've been in the Big 12. Maybe this is the chance to finally do it. I don't I don't know. Yeah, maybe so. Texas taking on KU. I don't know if this game's actually going to happen because both teams have COVID issues, and Texas had to shut down practice this week. But whether it happens or not, they could potentially even play next week with neither team qualifying for the Big 12 title game. Um, KU put up a fight against Texas Tech last week, but I, I don't expect Kansas to be beating Texas in football again. Um, Tom Herman, you know, if he somehow lost to Kansas, then they definitely kick him out the window. Uh, Could have kicked him out fast enough. But I expect Texas to win whether they play this game this week or next week if they play this game. Tom Herman, I think, is going to be back at Texas after they didn't get Urban Meyer and company. Um, Texas should come into Lawrence and win this one walking away. Yeah, they should. And, and, you know, I know that some fans are upset about Tom Herman still being the coach, but they're not going to get her any, any relief here this week, I don't think. Um, you know, I, I think Texas should come in and handle that pretty handily. But who knows, maybe – Maybe the you know is the way Kansas played against Tech. I know Texas is not Tech, um, but maybe uh, maybe you know they Kansas finished out twenty twenty on just a weird on one of those weird ones and pulls it off again. Maybe so. Who knows? Uh, Oklahoma State traveling to Waco to take on the Baylor Bears. OSU twenty second in the rankings, coming off that loss to TCU last week, which was just an odd game. That one didn't really make any sense. Baylor, really down year for the Bears. Both these teams can't go to the Big 12 title game, playing for pride at this point here. And Oklahoma State favorite at five and a half. Tom would not have anything to play for. That's that's a dangerous territory. I think this Baylor team, you know, they, they, they've known for a while that they uh, weren't contending for much here. Um, this is kind of a, if you're Oklahoma State, you, you can't, overlook this Baylor team. This is kind of a, a scary predicament to be in to finish your year in Waco uh, against a team that in Baylor that just has nothing to lose here. Yeah, they really don't. And, um, you know, after last week, and, and, man, I was almost waiting for you to get to this game because I have a lot to say, essentially, on this game. Uh, Gundy came out and, and talked. I forget who he talked to, um, but they ask him about, you know, not making the Big 12 championship game again. And Gundy pretty much just had a, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, a word. Somewhat just a, a he pretty much was just spouting off both is what was happening. And pretty much just said, well, you know, in the time that, the championship game wasn't around. We would have been there had we had a championship game. And I thought that was just an absolute cop-out by Mike Gundy. Um, what I, have I you done for me lately? Right. Yeah, I thought it was just ridiculous for him to take that approach. And and I don't know if you saw it. it, it something else that, that didn't really rub me the right way. Gavin, of all freaking people, Arkansas person, Arkansas student Gavin Gundy said that Oklahoma State football would be irrelevant without Mike Gundy and why maybe that's not the craziest thing to say. I would rather say that Oklahoma State football 
and Mike Gundy would be irrelevant without Boone Pickens. I think that's the better argument there. Um, and so the controversy of, of Gundy and people giving him criticism, I think is fair. I think it's just, I think it needs to happen. Um, Gundy's gotten way too comfortable. And, and as far as, and, and here's the thing too, Jones, Casey Dunn can get the smoke as well. Um, I think if, and if you follow Oklahoma state football at all, you'll know this, that, that Casey Dunn essentially forced his way into that OC position, um, by saying that he was going to go to Nevada if he didn't get that offensive coordinator position. So they said, you know what? Well, you know, the, what is, whatever place that he coached at, the Ivy league, former offensive coordinator left and, They said, well, we don't want to lose Casey Dunn because he's a good wide receiver coach. So they said, you know what? We'll give you the OC position. Pretty much force their hand saying, I'll leave if I don't get this position. So they give him a chance at it. And now every Oklahoma State fan is eating crow because they bitched about Mike Yersich. Um, And then now stuck with Casey Dunn, who is one of the most conservative offensive coordinators, especially in this first well, year that I've ever seen. And, and here's the thing, too, is that what Oklahoma State has failed to do, and I understand now things are tougher with COVID and everybody's making cuts and such, is that they have done a bad job on paying their staff, not throwing the money to keep you know Yurzich around, um, or some of the you know previous coordinators like Todd Munkin and some of these others, uh, you know Dana Holgerson's, you know all these of the world, they continue to lose coordinators. It seems about every other year, and then finally, you hit a dud, get stuck with Casey Dunn. And so, if they would actually get out the the uh, checkbook, and I know that's tougher now, granted, uh, but it wasn't before. Um, you got to do what it takes sometimes to keep these these coaches. You should not be losing coordinators to you know, Rutgers, uh, like they did. And, um, you know, Yersich, yeah, he went to Ohio State. He's not even their offensive coordinator. He's their passing game coordinator. That shouldn't happen. Um, well, no, he's, he's, in, he's in Texas now. Okay, yeah. Um, but of who they lost him to. Right, right. Um, right, right. But with, with that being said, we'll move on. One more Big 12 game for you. TCU taking on Louisiana Tech. TCU 5-4, and four, Louisiana Tech 5-3. and three. Uh, TCU's been so up and down this year, but you get a nice win last week. You're at home. Uh, Max Duggan's playing some better football here. TCU, you, you should get a win here. You go to 6-4, and four, and I think that you have enough positives to feel good about the direction of this program heading into 2021, Tom, if you finish out uh, with a couple wins to end the season there. Uh, I think TCU is in decent shape for next season here. Yeah, and I, I think they like after, especially at the Oklahoma State win. I think they like where they're at currently sitting. And Max Duggan, I mean, man, being just a sophomore, I think he has a bright future. Yeah, I think so. Um, we got more college football to talk about. Uh, we'll do our pick'em coming up later on in the show. Also, going to talk about the college football playoff where things stand right now. Uh, we'll embrace debate on Ohio State. Should they deserve a spot in or not? We'll discuss that coming up later on in the show. Also got our Tom Fullery story of the week as well. But coming up next, Aaron Ladd of 41 Action News in Kansas City joins us next right here on the Jones Report.
Making his debut on the Jones Report this week from 41 Action News in Kansas City, the NBC affiliate, it is Aaron Ladd who joins us right now. Aaron, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. What's going on? Hey, man, it's uh, Christmas season. We were just talking about getting some shopping done. It's uh, it's that time of the year. <laughs> it is. And uh, Aaron, your first time on the show with us, so we got to get to know you a little bit, man. Tell us about uh, your background. Where'd you come from? How did you end up in K- Kansas City, man? I think it was one uh, starry afternoon in August 1996. My dad had a twinkle in his eye, and he looked over at my mom. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm from the Atlanta area originally, went to MU for undergrad, uh, had some of our, our best football years and our worst basketball years while I was there. Uh, left there and had a, had a job as a sports reporter anchor in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. One of our biggest beats was Coastal Carolina University, actually. And I love oh, the yeah. success that they're having this year. It's been, it's been awesome to see. Uh, I, I was there for the first year of Coach Chadwell's era. And just seeing the success that they're having now is awesome. So I did about a year and nine months there. And then uh, the opportunity here arose at 41, which was awesome, especially considering the timing of, of this pandemic that we've been living through. Um, but started here on, on April 20th for 2020 was my first day on the job here in Kansas City. It's been a dream ever since. Easy to uh, remember uh, that date uh, for other reasons. but uh, Important to some. Yes, important to some. I like that. Oh, that's great to see, man. Uh, glad you're uh, enjoying Kansas City, doing so well, and uh, great to see you all over the place from, from sporting to, you know, right in, I think we first met at Kansas Speedway, and of course you're all over the Chiefs, man. I mean, so much going on, even among this pandemic and everything, uh, we've been very fortunate here in uh, in our area to, to see what we've seen here uh, the last couple of months. And if you really put things into context, if we had a March Madness tournament uh, this this year, we would have seen a number one overall seed uh, Kansas Jayhawks team as well, throwing that into the mix. Yeah, it, it, It's been a dream as far as sports is concerned. Uh, the teams are, are receptive to our coverage, and it's been really cool to, to, to cover. I mean, a number one overall seed in the Western Conference for sporting Chiefs, Balling, absolutely doing their thing. Now we just got to get our get our Royals up to speed, huh? Yeah, that's uh, the the next uh, one that we need. But everyone else uh, doing great, it seems, uh, as far as that goes. Aaron, now uh, let's start out talking about the uh, Kansas City Chiefs set to take out the Miami Dolphins coming up this weekend. How you feel about this team where they stand right now uh, at uh, this point in the season? I think the biggest question marks that we had maybe midway through the season still remain. It all. Uh, Starts on the defensive side of the ball, stopping the run. Um, people will still say from time to time, does this team play down to their, to their competition? Uh, the thing that I've been asking players just the last week or so is is about this kind of Warriors comparison that I've heard in the national media from time to time. When you've got this flash on the offensive side of the ball, when you've got Tyreek Hill doing flips into the end zone, when you've got the ability to at any point to go down and score the ball uh, – do the guys feel that? Do they, do they do they feel that flip the, the switch mentality like, oh, we're not playing our best right now, but when we really need a score, uh, we can go get one. Uh, we'll see what that looks like in Miami this week. This is not a team that you can come down and sleep on. Tua's got them playing right. Ryan Flores should be obviously a contender for coach of the year if he's not already in the conversation for that. If you're listening to this podcast, Brian Flores, I believe you're the coach. I believe you're the coach of the year. Uh, he's got the Dolphins playing right. We saw flashes of that last year with Miami. As well. Oh, yeah. Um, going into this game, I want to see uh, – a consistent motor from the Chiefs D-line, which is something that I know that people uh, all over Chiefs Kingdom want to see. I want to see that consistent motor from the D-line uh, and the ability to hold defenses and, and opposing offenses to over 17 points, which is something that they've talked about for a while. Yeah, 
uh, it is certainly something that it's been a priority for them to try to do. And you mentioned with that defensive line, they've done a great job the last couple of seasons on getting pressure and getting sacks, in particular with Chris Jones and uh, Frank Clark. But then this year, I mean, this group has just hit a wall of sorts. Uh, can't get that pass rush. I believe they've had one sack in the last three games, I think's the number. I mean, it's it's crazy. What what do you think's happened to that defensive line of why that they've faded like they have uh, here uh, this season, not played up to what they're capable of? I think that's the million-dollar question right now through uh, through 14 weeks. Where is where is all this pass rush that we paid for, right? That, that's yeah. everybody – Everybody, everybody wants to know when are the sacks going to come. And um, I think we've seen more hurries. I know Tashar Wharton, especially Turk Wharton, has been a, a very nice find out of Missouri S&T. That's gotten some pressure and some quarterback hurries. Uh, let's not ooze over this, the, st- the sack number. Everybody wants that sack sure. number to be high. I would almost be happier if you had consistent quarterback pressure. Um, sometimes it seems like uh, Drew Locke at times had time in the pocket last week. Um, I would almost – I would almost give away that sack number if, if there was more consistent quarterback pressure. But that's what worries me the most now is that uh, quarterbacks seem to be comfortable in the pocket. They're not they're not rushing through their progressions. They have time. Um, that 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 is where I would like to see the improvement more so than the sack number. The sacks will come. Sure. And you'd almost rather the sacks come in the postseason, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, the sacks that come now. Uh, uh, the sacks that come now are not meaningless. But uh, you already clinched your playoff spot and all yeah. that stuff. Right. Uh, um, well, and, and to add to that, as far as uh, that goes, I would think where this defensive line is at right now is not going to be good enough when it matters. They do have to have that step up of some sorts because it's not just what that defensive line does. The way this team is set up with that secondary and that backside, the front seven has to get pressure to uh, make things easier for the secondary of sorts with uh, with not spending very much money on the cornerback position, not being a position of strength. It, it's all a, a domino effect of some sorts. One thing has to work for the other to affect, uh, to, to be effective uh, with, with this group. And then maybe injuries are starting to play a factor as yep. well. The Taco Charlton injury that um, – the signing first and foremost didn't didn't make national headlines, but he made an impact on this team in the first few weeks, and his injury uh, may be shining a little bit a little bit of light now later in the season. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you make a good point. And as far as stopping the run goes, Tua we know is a, a fantastic runner. Miles Gaskin, I don't know if he's going to be able to give it a go or not, but this Miami team sure does love the football, love to run the football. If if they have any chance on Sunday to make this game, I imagine running the football is going to be a priority for those guys. And the Chiefs are going to lean on that bend, don't break, right? They'll let all the def- they'll let all the opposing offenses get their yards in between the 20s. You can eat up in midfield. Miles Gaskin could go wild on the screen passes and this and that. Uh, but when it comes into the red zone, that's when Spagnuolo is going to dial up the blitzes. That's when he's going to try and get more creative. That's when he's going to try and keep uh, and hold opposing offenses to three instead of seven. Uh, the numbers have been – Tilted in the other team's favor, it seems like, since that Buffalo game. The Buffalo game really stood out to me because uh, it felt like the Chiefs used that game as uh, we're just going to run the ball. Defenses are going to play the, the, the deep safeties all the way back and take out Tyreek Hill. Then we're just going to run the ball. And I have not seen a same aggressiveness uh, from the Chiefs running the ball uh, since that game. Aaron Lyatt, 41 Action News, joining us here at the Jones Report this week. Aaron, you brought up an interesting point at the – very beginning about playing down to your competition and 
the counterpoint I would say is, well, everybody's good in the National Football League, that everybody's a challenge of some sorts. Are you getting the feeling that they are playing down, or is it just who they are of some sorts? I mean, you know, you, you look at last week and the game against the Bucks. they had opportunities to score, but they wore out clock there towards the end here. That's where I'm still in the middle of some sorts is I, I don't know if they're playing down to their competition necessarily or just playing conservative. Which one do you think it is or maybe even a little bit of both? It could be a little bit of both. I, I've said this multiple times. I probably should get this tattooed by now. The Chiefs can turn in C-minus homework and still get an A-plus in the class. And I think they realize that. I think that little quotes that we've gotten from players kind of uh, allude to that. I think back to the to the Raiders game inside Vegas, and we asked Clyde after the game, were you worried going into that last drive? And he says, you know what? We have Patrick Mahomes. I, I, I'm not worried about a thing. I think they know <laughs> in this locker room that their margin for error is so wide. In previous years, it's, it's, it's razor thin, but now – they can miss connections. Tyree Kill can. There can be a holding penalty that brings back a touchdown and they still win. Tyree Kill can catch a touchdown that isn't ruled a touchdown and they can still win a game. Like their margin for error is gigantic at this point. And even when they play a C minus game, uh, they still come out with wins. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Uh, offensively, uh, this Chiefs team, Patrick Mahomes, having an MVP caliber season. What do you make of uh, what this offense is doing here in uh, 2020? I mean, come on, <laughs> come right. on now, right? This is a this is a joke, right? Like I'm supposed to I'm supposed to nitpick one one of the best offenses in the league. Oh, right well, now. Well, what, what you like? I mean, there's so many things to choose from. What in particular? I mean, it's been cool seeing Sammy Watkins get back into the offense, and and I know that's a very small uh, thing that isn't as sexy, won't grab as many headlines, but sure. he allows room for the other guys to work. He yeah. can beat his man one on one, which you can't say about a lot of. You can say a lot of the guys in this offense, but obviously not around the league. But he he allows defenses to he allows defenses to maybe um, if they're doubling Travis or if they're doubling uh, Tyreek, he can beat his man one on one and get that little stick route, get the little eight nine yards. Um, him fitting back into the offense and, and Andy has mentioned it a lot in his, in his press conferences as well allows them more creativity, um, not only in the in the short yardage, but also when they're trying to go in those deep long plays. Yeah, well, and. Uh... We talk offense as far as potential goes. Last week, Patrick said he was so excited to have uh, his full complement finally healthy, and then Clyde Edwards-Helaire has a uh, you know an illness of some sorts. We still haven't seen them at full strength yet. Yeah, and it's been it's been a roller coaster ride for Clyde. Right, he goes from being drafted as the first back in the first round, and then. Uh, there's an opt-out. He's moved up to the number one slot, and then Le'Veon Bell comes in, and now he's a healthy scratch kind of uh, – it's been a roller coaster ride for Clyde. I still think that week one was one of the games that, – that week one game and, of course, the Buffalo game that we mentioned earlier uh, were highlights from him and, and where we saw the offense really build around him and work around him and rotate around him, uh, not only in the short yardage situations, but also um, second and longs, third and longs. Uh, he was very active. Uh, I still think we haven't seen the full arsenal or full right. play calling of what it looks like to to use Clyde. I think Andy probably, going back to that week one game, Clyde, I think got three runs in a row on the goal line that got stuffed. And we haven't seen a situation like that since, ever since they've gone Ferrari on the goal line. I don't know if that's to protect Clyde. I don't know if they've seen something with the offensive line, which is another issue that, that, the, that the Chiefs are still trying to work out. Um, 
I don't know what it is, but but Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I, st- I still think we have yet to see his full potential. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I, I think that's certainly the case. And, and uh, to see him and Bell both have big days could certainly go a long ways for this team. And, you know, another thing, Aaron, too, I, I would say is that when you look at what I like from Andy Reid uh, this year is his willingness to adapt. You see a game against Buffalo where they run for more t- more rushing attempts and more yards than uh, he's ever done before in his uh, time in Kansas City. Or we see a game against you know the Bucks where they're just throwing it around the yard and putting up you know close to 500 passing yards. Uh, that, that's impressed me, just that adaptness. And, and that's what you could do when you have all these weapons that the Chiefs seem to have. And I think that's what gives opposing defenses so much of a headache is they have so many different ways that they can beat you. Like Tyreek can get 200 yards in, in the first quarter, and then the next game they can turn around and, and run it for 20 times in the first half. Like there is no rhyme or reason. There, There is a method to the madness, but there is no rhyme or reason from one game to the next when you have so many weapons here and – when you have a play caller like Andy Reid who can get them open and get different guys in space and move it around and make it look like it's one thing, but it's really something completely different. Yeah. Aaron Lyatt, 41 Action News, joining us here on the Jones Report this week. Uh, Aaron, what's been kind of the, the talk uh, amongst the Chiefs just this week in, uh, in their time speaking to the media and everything as they uh, get ready for this Miami game? What's been the uh, headlines of note? Well, you know, the media loves to make this this Miami return glorious, right? That oh, everybody yeah. is uh, everybody is romanticizing over the Chiefs' return to Miami and uh, and their possible second win in this stadium. Obviously, a little a little less of consequence, but um, everybody wants to see to see that return, what that'll look like, and also um, the first game of Tua against Mahomes too. Mahomes is kind of. Uh, for good reason, perched up as, as the bar in the NFL as far as quarterbacks. Now you have this guy who was highly touted in in the in the prep ranks, uh, came in injury prone, but or he came in with that hip injury, I should say, and then uh, had to earn the starting job this year. So the first matchup for Mahomes and Tua is definitely something else that we'll be looking at um, going into this Miami week. Yeah, uh, certainly. And then, uh, of course, the – uh, Sportsman of the uh, Year award from Sports Illustrated going to LDT uh, and uh, Patrick. Uh, certainly, that was a, a cool deal for both those guys to get recognized. I think that's the coolest thing about Mahomes now is he's kind of transcending football. He's turning into more of a Mahomes Inc., which is a term that was used around LeBron for a very long time. Uh, even seeing with his fiance this weekend and her announcement, that she would make part of the National Women's Soccer League team that's going to be moving here to Kansas City. We're just seeing his brand grow as we're seeing his game expand as well. Yeah, uh, so cool to see uh, that take off like it has uh, for Patrick and uh, really just owning this uh, this city like he has. It's been uh, so terrific to see uh, as far as that goes. The battle for home field, the Steelers took a loss this past week to Washington and now find themselves uh, – Right there, neck and neck with the Chiefs. Same record. Tiebreaker goes to the Steelers right now. How do you see these next few weeks playing out as far as the Chiefs' chances of taking home field goes? Uh, one of these teams is going to win out and another is going to drop a game. I, I'm not too much into predictions. I, I, I've already ruined enough of my gambling friends' lifestyles with my, with my predictions. But uh, I think the Steelers have kind of showed us glimpses of this for a while. Um, banged up on the defensive side. No Devin Bush. No Bud Dupree. Uh, and their intermediate passing game has been the one thing that they've kind of just 
held a crutch on, and now defenses have adjusted to that, okay? You can't throw that little slant to Juju anymore. We're going to lock down on Claypool now. Uh, I'd like to see what their adjustments are coming from that more so because I saw Mike Tomlin smiling on the sideline during this game. I think he knew that this was coming. I think he knew his team needed that. Uh, and I think I even see that sometimes from Andy Reid where he's like, okay, we can use the, this slow quarter to adjust or in the instance of that Raiders game and the victory lap narrative that came out of that. Um, you kind of use those you use those as teaching moments, the coaches have told us. And uh, we'll see what the Steelers have learned from their teaching moment. With the top seed being the only one in each conference that gets home field advantage and gets that first round by, do you think it's important for the Chiefs to get that one seed and have that week off? What's uh, How big a deal do you think that would be for the Chiefs to, to try to get that, that number one spot? It's huge for both teams. It's extremely big for both teams, not only because you get that week off, but you avoid the, you avoid the potential injury or travel or the, any of the risk that comes along with playing in that wild card weekend. If you think about the Steelers and how their schedule has been impacted by the COVID situation in the league this year, their bye week was in week four. And it wasn't originally supposed to be. It was moved around due to, due to COVID and moving all these games around. Going from week four all the way through the playoffs without a bye week, I think about just the wear and tear on the bodies there uh, that come from playing in the National Football League. Uh, of course, you want the home field advantage, even if it's not a true home field advantage. Sure. The Chiefs will have some sort of fans there, but sleeping on your own bed is the best, right? I mean, oh, yeah. everybody, wants to, everybody wants to stay at home. Nobody wants to sleep in a hotel bed. Uh, there, there's going to be a true race to get that. I know we, in previous years we've seen – uh, coaches maybe take their foot off the gas, rest players in week 17. But uh, I think the NFL did the right thing by adding that this year because now it adds intrigue to the to the last couple weeks of the season. Oh, yeah. Uh, no question about it. Uh, uh, I agree with you there as far as that goes. And with the Chiefs, uh, as good as they are, you know, I, I think that – I don't know what you think, Aaron. I, I'm looking at them still a step up above the Steelers and everybody else in the AFC personally. Do you think it's the Steelers, or do you think an, another team in the AFC is their biggest challenge, uh, biggest threat to uh, the, the AFC crown? I haven't heard enough about Buffalo this, this last week, Tyler. I, I think that, <laughs> look back at their schedule, take away that DeAndre Hopkins catch, or, or let's say Buffalo bats that down and, and it's an incompletion. It's not that Hale Murray that everybody talked about. Sure. Right? They're 6-0 in their, in their last six games. They've been playing extre- extremely well, and I trust Josh Allen more this year than I did previous years. Yeah. Last year he was playing well, but man, my stomach was in knots every time every time he like scrolled out of the pocket or he was looking for his guy. I didn't know what he was going to do with the ball. I think a lot of their trust comes from who's around him. Adding Stephon Diggs. Uh, uh, I just I look at Buffalo as a team, and and that game specifically with the Chiefs played. Uh, I look at that game as a playoff type game and a playoff type atmosphere, and I think that's a team that could give them could give them trouble if they match up in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Bills, their one, like, really bad loss was that blowout they suffered against Tennessee. But that was so long ago, and it was a Tuesday night, just a weird circumstance and all that. I I think this Bills team is long past what happened. I I don't hold anything against what happened to them against Tennessee, uh, you know, what was, what, two months ago now? If your bad loss is, is to Tennessee, then then you're doing all right. Tennessee is a playoff team as well, and they were in the AFC title game last year. Derrick Henry's still doing Derrick Henry things. Uh, I think they'll still be in the mix. Um, I also, quick shout-out to Cleveland Browns. Uh, I, I, I like their run game as well. 
a team that can bludgeon you on the ground, run the ball 30, 40 times a game with a two-headed monster that Chiefs fans are very familiar with in, in Kareem Hunt. Uh, Cleveland and Buffalo are two teams to look out for in the AFC. All right, Aaron, we got a few more minutes here left with you, so uh, uh, we get some little bit, of, little bit of time. So I do want to ask you, since you mentioned some of the other local sports teams, uh, Sporting uh, finished up their season uh, about a week or, uh, or two ago now, and and I got the news that Matt Beasler is uh, not coming back to Kansas City. That one, uh, that that really hits home for a lot of people. I mean, he he really was the the face of SKC. Seems like for the last decade or so. And it's tough. I was not here for the full Beasler reign, but you can tell how much of an impact he had. Local Overland Park native comes here, plays for the big club. It's uh, it's certainly something that we saw in the works throughout this year, just with his time. Captain Armband was moving around a couple of times this year, and you saw his boarding go full full tilt on the youth movement. Uh, they went full in on their on, on their player development, and we saw probably uh, three or four homegrowns on the field at one time this year. Uh, I don't think Beasler played for a while, and it, and it's sad that it came to to this ending after 13 years, right, or something yeah. like that. Um, but they're going full in on the youth movement. We'll see what they what they do, even with uh, their designated players as well. Uh, who comes back? You, you have to question uh, where Alan Polito and Winston Reed and a lot of these guys will end up. Uh, but if you're a sport, if you're a sporting faithful, you know that your you know that your your future lies in the hands of Peter Vermes, and that's always a good thing, right? Oh, yeah, and, and with that future of the young talent that we saw this year, this team got the number one seed in the West, made it to the conference semifinals uh, after finishing 11th in the West last year. How you feel about this team going forward and uh, their future uh, after this year with uh, that, that young group? You've got to feel positive. You've got to feel very positive. Yanlu well, Cabusio is, is, is one of the best young players in the league, and I believe he's only 19 years old, 18 or 19 years old. You've got talent there. Uh, a lot of the times I and Peter talked about this in, in his press conferences throughout the year. He said inconsistency breeds inconsistency. He was speaking to just uh, going from the bubble to back home to to having to have games canceled and pushed around and, and trainings being moved around and not a consistent schedule. I'm curious what this team would look like and a lot of these young players would look like if they had a steady routine. If they knew our game is on this day, practice is on this day, we're going to do X, Y, Z, A, B, C, and then go out and play. Uh, it it didn't look like that this year. We saw a lot of them playing the same team. I think they played Minnesota three times this year, who yep. actually knocked them out in the playoffs. Uh, let's see some consistency from the league and see them settle down, and then we can judge uh, sporting for what they are next year. Yeah. Um, how about the uh, the Royals bringing in uh, Carlos Santana? Signed him this uh, past week. Uh, Salve, of course, got named to the uh, all-MLP uh, team as well there. Uh, Royals bringing in Santana, an older player, could have cost him a bit there. I, I would think that's a signal that they're expecting to, to step up a little bit, that they're, they're wanting to compete a little more, more invested in, uh, in next year. Is that kind of the vibe you got as well? Definitely. And Dayton Moore, from the very beginning, loves to talk with the media. I appreciate you, Dayton, if you're listening in. He talked from the very jump about uh, adding a big bat to the middle of the lineup. It's something that they needed from the jump. Uh, Santana definitely fits that mold. But this team is going to go as Mondesi goes, and his development is something that I'm going to be focused on for the rest of the, for the rest of this next upcoming year and going further. Uh, one of the most inconsistent players that the Royals had, extremely frustrating when you think about his potential and what his ceiling is. Uh, I would really, I really, really, really want Mike Matheny to get the most out of out of Mondesi because 
We know what Merrifield is going to bring. We know what Salvador, Salvador Perez is going to bring. We know what some of these guys are going to bring. But Mondesi, from a night-to-night basis, I don't know what player I'm getting. And I would really like him to be a solid two in the, in the Royals lineup for them to be able to make that next step that you were talking about. Yeah. Uh, personally, I, I think, Aaron, that, uh, that Brady Singer is going to have a huge year uh, for uh, the Royals. I think that you know he's got a bright future and has potential to be maybe the face of this franchise. Definitely, they got young arms, and they've got young arms uh, pitching. Brad Keller is someone who extremely yep. who impressed me last year. Um, they've got pieces there. They've got pieces there, and and talking about just how crazy this year was. Uh, I can't imagine that being my first year getting in that club the way at Mike Matheny's was trying to learn guys, trying to get guys experience. We don't even know what the minor league situation is going to be like this year. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts, but. Uh, the Royals have a lot of good parts as well. Yeah, um, and uh, and one more for you on the local sports front. Uh, uh, when it comes to uh, college basketball starting up, KU looking good. I know your Mizzou Tigers are off to a decent start this year as well. Uh, a lot more entertaining the product that uh, those teams are putting out there as opposed to what's on the football field right now. Man, I was really looking forward to that uh, Border War showdown. Oh, Dude, yeah. COVID strikes again. COVID literally strikes again. What about a heck this, of a game? Year, that, ma- that matchup would have been that matchup would have been great this year. Uh, I'm actually headed to Columbia this Saturday. I- I'll start off with them. Headed to Columbia this Saturday. Two top ten teams in town with the Georgia Bulldogs for football going over uh, to Faroe Field, and then obviously Illinois facing off in the in this year's edition of bragging rights with. Of Missouri there. Hey, Missouri is a veteran squad this year. It's something that they haven't been able to say for quite a while. Uh, Tillman looks like he finally knows how to how to play without fouling out, and Xavier <laughs> Pinson looks like he's made that next step as far as handling the ball and getting his playmakers involved. This is going to be a really, really important test um, for them coming up. We'll see what Mark Smith, who was a, I believe SEC Player of the Week uh, from from Missouri, we'll see what they we'll see what they get as a as a big test this year when the Illini come in on Saturday. And then Kansas has kind of been has been kind of scraping by here. I know that the uh, I know that Jayhawk Twitter has been a little upset with how these games have turned out. But when you're playing Gonzaga and you're playing a lot of these these early tournament games and around, I mean, these are great litmus tests to get yeah. your team to get your team right um, and see and see what you really are working with. I, I wouldn't sound the alarm yet for Lawrence. I know a, a few early I know a few early losses is never anything you really want. In your stocking this time of year, if you're a Jayhawks fan, but it, things are going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it reminds me of the the Chiefs in the sense of that. Um, okay, it might not be as pretty as it could have been, but a win's a win. You take it how it is. I, I might just need to stay off Twitter during KU and Chiefs games because this whole charade of the re- overreaction Mondays while the games are still going on is is getting a little tiresome, Aaron. I mean, uh, these teams find ways to win. It's going to be okay. Tyler, it could always be worse. I mean, you yes. can head up the road to Manhattan and uh, and check out what's going on on their <laughs> basketball court. It's the uh... It's ugly. <laughs> it's ugly. Oh, yes. Uh, shout out Fort Hayes. Uh, we love you. <laughs> that was an exhibition game. Get this, right? Butler cancels. So they're like, hey, let's just get this D2 school from down the road. We'll bring them on in. It'll be an exhibition. And it's all good. We'll throw it on ESPN+. Plus, and then the unthinkable happens. I mean, <laughs> it is it, – it's worse. It's yeah. worse than you can well, imagine. And- Don't leave it. They don't lead in the game at any point in time. They lose by double digits. It's uh, it, it's a bad loss, and, and Bruce Weber's seat is, is warming. Oh, yeah. Well, and uh, it was an exhibition for Fort Hayes. K-State actually had that count towards their overall record. And uh, to think that Fort Hayes didn't have their head coach, didn't have their top assistant, 
and, and just bulldoze their way there was uh, wild, to uh, say the least. Uh, I always cheer on our local teams, don't get me wrong, but I, I, I did grin a little bit, not going to lie, as, as, uh, as a KU guy seeing that happen to uh, K-State uh, there <laughs> in, uh, in Manhattan the other night. Aaron, uh, before we let you run, man, where can people find you and see all the uh, great work you're doing at 41 Action News, man? Hey, I appreciate that and appreciate y'all for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter probably way too often. Aaron with two A's, A-A-R-O-N, Lad with two D's, L-A-D-D, and this number zero at the end. Uh, that's on all socials. Reach out to me, find me. DMs are always open for, for story requests. Awesome stuff. Aaron, appreciate the top. Thanks for joining us, Pat. Appreciate it. Be safe. Time for this week's edition of the O'Connor Advisory Group, Pigskin Pick'em. I'm joined by Brian O'Connor of O'Connor Advisory Group alongside Thomas Bridges. And, Bo, you're on quite a run right now, 17-3 and in the last two weeks, 9-1 and last week. And what do you know, you and I are tied in these standings now. Bo, you are on fire, my friend. Well, clearly I'm a genius. Yes, of course. <laughs> An evil you know genius. What? Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good sometimes. You know, last week – Ninety-one. That's the uh, the uh, the epiphany you're just not going to have every week. So I got a little bit lucky. <laughs> In the meantime, though, uh, why be lucky when uh, you can guarantee something good with O'Connor Advisory Group? What's going on this week at OAG as you guys are getting closer to the holidays here? And you know what? It's a great time to be doing some planning. You know, it's a great time of year. We have a lot of time. We're able to really take some time, whether that's in person or we're doing a lot of zoom calls uh so if you've got a, something you just want to have a conversation you want to go face to face i can do it via zoom it's easy to do and i'm enjoying it i'm having a great time doing it actually um well hey what we're talking to people about is a couple things one it's kind of some advanced planning you know thinking about where they want to be a year from now five years from now ten years from now and, and kind of getting the idea of just where you want to be in your retirement and then also it's never been a better time. If you've never done it or you've got something in place, you're not sure if it's the right thing. Right now, it's never been a better time to buy life insurance. Right now, it's as cheap as it's ever been. And right now, the underwriting has never been easier. Usually it is in December. People, companies want to get stuff done before the end of the year. And right now with COVID, we can get a lot of med exams waived, uh, things done cleanly and quickly. So, if you want a free review, which you've currently got, I'd love to take a look. Give us a shout. Yeah, certainly so. Uh, give Bo a call at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720. To schedule an appointment today, online at oagkansas.com. Also, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. And by email, brian.o'connor at lpl.com. That's brian.o'connor at lpl.com. And uh, also on Facebook as well, at O'Connor Advisory Group. Thomas, you are atop the leaderboard again at 72-54-4. Not a bad week for you at all, 7-3 and three last week. But uh, Bo and I are just three games back of you now. Um, you, you, got a, you had a good week last week and still Bo gained games on you. So i uh, got to keep up uh, the uh, good work again. Uh, otherwise, Bo's going to be right there. Yeah, BYU, like many things, uh, you know, ruins another good thing. Uh, Ruin the potential first perfect week, and I don't know how long. So congrats to Bo there. I, I, you know, I was we were talking about it before. I hadn't really – I'm not one that researches picks 
I kind of go with the, I go with the, you know, measure it with my heart or just, you know, my common knowledge on the teams. And obviously that's working out for me pretty well this week, a little bit different. I researched my games this week uh, because this, we got a tough slate. Now this is probably the, I, I don't know if it's the toughest slate all season, but it's probably pretty close. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the games on the slate, it's not the best as far as competition goes of top matchups, but as far as hardest to pick, this is certainly one of, if not the toughest weeks of the year. Uh, I wouldn't touch these games with money, actual money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe I a few. Agree. I got to agree with you, Tom. I, I think when I look at these 10 games, there is literally one, maybe two. That I would consider if I was going to gamble on my own, that I would take. <laughs> oh, yeah, I just can't choose. do it. So here's what they are. Starting on the college football side of things, number 19, Iowa taking on number 16, Wisconsin. It's a pick 'em. That's everybody's favorite type of pick to make. Then number 17, North Carolina taking on number 10, Miami. Miami's a three and a half point favorite. Number 22, Washington taking on their. Rivals from across the Columbia River. You like my geography there, boys? Uh, Oregon, a six-point favorite against the Huskies. Number eight, Georgia, taking on Mizzou. That game in Columbia, Georgia, a 13-point favorite on the road. And the last college game, pretty good rivalry. Number 15, USC, taking on UCLA. USC undefeated, but Chip Kelly and company looks like they've turned a corner. They've competed in about every game this year. USC, a three-point favorite. In the NFL, on Sunday Night Football, it'll be the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are coming off their first loss of the year, taking on the Bills, who had an outstanding performance against San Francisco. Buffalo favored by two at home. The Chiefs taking on the Dolphins. That game in Miami. Chiefs are a seven-point favorite. Ravens and Browns. That game has the Ravens as a one-point favorite. Pretty much a pick them there as well. The Patriots and the Rams in L.A. The Patriots had a lot of great luck in uh, L.A. last week. They looked to go for two for two at SoFi as uh, the Rams are a five-point favorite there. And then the Colts traveling to Vegas to take on the Raiders. And uh, the Colts are a three-point favorite on the road. So there you have it. That's our games that we're picking this week. Let's go ahead and get started in college football. Number 19, Iowa taking on number 16, Wisconsin. It's a pick as we mentioned. The line is even on this one. Guys, I got to tell you, if we were picking this game about two or three weeks ago, without question, I would be taking Wisconsin. I really liked what they were doing. But the offense has really just hit a wall the last couple of weeks. Iowa plays that consistent brand of Kirk Ferentz football. I know they're on the road, but uh, I lean towards the hot team. Give me uh, Iowa to take care of business in uh, this game here uh, against uh, Wisconsin. And, uh, Tom, we'll go to you next. Who do you like in this one? You know, I like Iowa as well. Wisconsin's not look like the Wisconsin that we first thought. And, you know, just from what I see, just the eye test, even, I mean, it's 50-50 here, no points on the table. Uh, Iowa, I think, has a pretty solid defense. You know, I don't think they're – this game could go either way. Uh, but, you know, I'll take the Hawkeyes here. All right. Uh, Bo, who you got here? Iowa or Wisconsin? It's a pick em. I like Wisconsin because they're at home. Um, if this game were in Iowa City, I'd take Iowa. 
Uh, just like the home team here. I think that's going to mean a little something. Wisconsin has not played well the last couple of weeks. And they've been a big disappointment in a couple of games. I think I've actually picked them a couple of times. Haven't been happy with them. Uh, I picked against them a couple of times as well. So I've been happy with those. Uh, but I'm going to take Wisconsin. I like the home field. That's the big thing for me. Home field when there's going to be no fans. We'll see how much of a home field that is in uh, Madison. TJ's going to go Iowa, so we got three for Iowa, one for Wisconsin. Number 17, North Carolina taking on number 10, Miami. This game going to be played in Miami. The U with three-and-a-half-point favorite. Both these teams have had very good seasons for what we've seen typically from these programs the last couple years. Bo, we know that you, you like the U. You're a Miami guy. What do you think about them here as a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home? Hey, the U has surprised me this season. I didn't see this season coming. Um, hey, but they're playing well. They're playing good football. And I do like Miami at home. Uh, part of this, I don't really trust North Carolina. I, they've got a, a guy you guys were talking a few weeks ago about. Sam Powell. Sam Howell. Candidate. Sam Howell. Yep. And so I was thinking, well, but I really like what Miami's doing. They're not the U. I mean, they're not they're not the, 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 the U from the 90s is not back. But um, I like where they're going. They're a talented team, and this is a team that could sneak up on some people late in the season, could make a, a big-time bowl game, a, a outs, an outside-outside chance at the playoff, but I would think, I mean, a top bowl game. Okay. Sure. All right. So you're going with Miami. Tom, who you got here? You know, I like Miami as well, and this is a, a, a tougher game. I like what North Carolina's done this season, but they're playing in Miami. Three and a half, I wish it was two and a half, but I will, you know, that's why it's pick them and you take the risk that you do, and that's why, you know, take the necessary risk and you end up being the top dog. Um, so what can I say? I got to take to you, baby. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with North Carolina in this game, guys. Uh, I've been high on Sam Howell all year. I like what Mac Brown's done. I think they're a better team than Miami uh, right now. I like them not only to cover it three and a half, but to win this game outright. Give me the Tar Heels to uh, take care of business in this one there. Number 22, Washington, taking on number 23, Oregon. The Ducks are a six-point favorite at home. We'll start with uh, Tom this time. Who you got in uh, this one there at uh, Autzen? You know, I think Oregon can win this game, um, but six is just too many points for me. Um, if this was more like three, I would be more apt to take Oregon, but Washington has not played bad, and obviously Oregon coming off, or, you know, here recently that loss to Oregon State did not look too hot. I, I think six is just too much. I'll take Washington. I'm with you. I got Washington to cover this one. Um, Toss-up game for me either way between these two, but Oregon has not done good against the spread the last several weeks, losing to their arch rivals, the Oregon State Beavers, losing uh, you know, just a couple of weeks ago against the spread anyway. They won outright, but they did lose against the spread to uh, – uh, UCLA, um, give me a Washington. I like what the Huskies have done this year. I'll take them to cover six points. Too many points out there for a Washington to uh, not be able to cover. Bo, who you got? Okay, so this is two teams coming off bad losses. So, uh, I mean, Oregon just lost to Cal. Uh, Washington just lost. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. But I'm of the ride that I think Oregon's terrible. Um They've lost the last two. They got blown out by Oregon State. That game was 
Like the game was close, but they didn't play well. I think it was a couple of late scores that got Oregon back in that game. Um, I don't like Oregon. I think that's too many points. I do like Washington. I'll take Washington. Oh, so the Huskies, the popular pick, all of us going with the underdog in that one. TJ going with Oregon, so that should make us all feel better about that pick, too. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight, Georgia taking on Missouri. This game in Columbia. Missouri cla- uh, cracked the top 25 of the college football playoff rankings this week at the 25th spot. Uh, Georgia, 13 point favorite. Guys, the way I look at this game, uh, Georgia's not the elite team that a lot of people thought they were at the beginning of this season. Mizzou's got a pretty legit offense. They've been able to put up points. I think Georgia wins, but 13, like we would spin kind of the theme so far this week, too many points. Give me Mizzou to cover 13. Bo, we'll go with you this time. Well, I've been on the Georgia train all season. I was one of these people that thought they were one of the best teams in the country early. They got beat up by Bama. They just lost to Florida. Uh, they didn't look good in that Florida game at all. Um, but I'm not convinced on Mizzou either. I'm going to take the dogs. I'm going to lay 13. There's a lot of lumber to lay. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the dogs and uh, take UGA here. All right, Tom, who you got? This, uh, you know, this ain't a Lowe's or a Home Depot. I don't have that much lumber uh, to lay. And I, I think that's too many points on my end. I think Georgia still wins it, but I think it could be by 10. Or I mean, this this is – I said it a couple of weeks ago, and I was close. If a game's going to be a push this week, it's going to be Georgia-Mizzou. You've been calling for that for a couple of weeks now on, on a push I mean, to happen. I've been close. At some point. I've been close. Close? I mean, that's like, bet, that's like betting zero on the roulette wheel. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't happen all the time, and when it does, it pays off big. Obviously – I mean, it, nothing's going to happen if they do push. It's actually not going to be good. But uh, like I said, I will, I will stick with that. I'm, I'm calling for the push, but it doesn't, you know, I can see I can make that prediction because it doesn't hurt me or help me in any way. <laughs> Easier said than done, right? Uh, exactly. So you're going with Mizzou. I got Mizzou. Bo's got Georgia. TJ's got Georgia. So we'll split things down the middle there. Last college game for you, USC taking on UCLA. USC a three-point favorite in this game uh, over at the Rose Bowl. And and looking at these two teams, USC has been red hot to start off Pac-12 play uh, for this team in uh, what they've seen from their offense look phenomenal on Sunday night when they had that uh, special game there uh, against Washington State. UCLA much better than what they've been the first couple years of the Chip Kelly era. They're making tremendous strides there at at UCLA. Guys, this game could go either way, but I think USC wins this one. I think that they win and cover that three-point margin, but I'll be shocked if this game is more than a touchdown difference either way. I like USC to win and cover, but I don't say that confidently. Bo, who you got? All right, so um, I am confident. This is the one game, if I was going to pick one, this is the one I'd bet on. The men of Troy. USC is going to beat the hell out of UCLA. This game is not going to be close, guys. They're not going to be close. USC is going to win. They're going to win big. All right, what's your uh, vote of confidence there? Where's the confidence come from about USC? This is a good football team. This is the best USC football team in years. 
And I just I love what I see. I've watched a little bit of them in their three or three of their four games so far. Um, I have been impressed offense and defense. Teams don't score points on them. They don't give up high point totals. I know Arizona had a big game. Again, a couple of late scores kind of put them, made that a little closer. But teams are not uh, – USC is the best team in the, in the, out there in the Pac-12. And if they were going to have a chance of getting into a playoff, that's the one team from the Pac-12 that might be an argument to get in. Now, I'm not saying they should – you know, there's they're only going to have a five-game schedule in USC's chance. This is their last home game, last game of the season for them. Um, but I like them to stay undefeated. I like them to run the table here. And I think they're going to make a statement against UCLA. Also, I, for years, was a Chip Kelly guy, and he has done a piss-poor job at UCLA. Uh, you know, we like to fire coaches around here. That's the one I would get rid of right now is Chip Kelly. See, I don't think you're giving Chip enough credit for what they've done this year. They're playing a lot better than what they've played the last couple of years um, there at uh, at UCLA. Um, Tom, who do you got last college game here, USC or UCLA? USC, three-point favorite. You know, I don't think USC is going to blow the doors off of them necessarily. I think it could happen. I don't think it will. Um, that being said, I will take USC. I, I, I will say I'll agree with Bill. I like what I've seen from USC. And I agree this is the best USC team, despite the sample size that we've seen in a long, long time. Uh, doesn't mean they're going to, you know, beat anybody else from any other conference. They're, you know, the best of those conferences. But I, I like them to go ahead and cover uh, this weekend. All right. Let's move on to the NFL uh, TJ's going with uh, UCLA there. The rest of us going SC. Uh, in the NFL, Steelers taking on the Bills. Sunday night football, this game in Buffalo. Bills got their first win on Monday night football this century with an outstanding performance from Josh Allen and company. He was just dropping dimes against the Niners on Sunday. The Steelers, uh, or on Monday rather, the Steelers also on Monday uh, suffered their first loss of the year to Washington. And now they're looking for a bounce back. This game in Buffalo, two points. Bo, we'll start with you this time. What a, what a matchup for Sunday Night Football. I'm excited just to see this game, let alone pick this one here. Yeah, this is a heck of a matchup. Um, I'm torn on who to take here. Um, I think these are two really good football teams. I'm just all, overall impressed with the AFC. Um, I'm not sure. There's, what, four or five teams you think – uh, obviously the Chiefs, the Steelers, the Bills. Um, what do I think? I'm forgetting the Titans are really good. Uh, and the Browns, I mean, what the Browns are doing now, it's like, okay, you got five teams right there that are all effectively very, very good and probably better than anybody from the NFC right now. I wonder if Buffalo can do this two weeks in a row. And the Steelers need this win big time because they just lost at home. Or is it at home or they lost? Yeah, at Washington. home. Yeah. So I – I'm going to take the Steelers. I think they're the better team. Um, two points gets me to cover a one point, you know, a, a 27-28 kind of game. I'll go into the Steelers, but I'm, I'm not real confident in this pick at all. I like both these teams a lot. Yeah. Tom, should be a hell of a game on Sunday night. Yeah, I think so. It'll be definitely one I pay attention to. Um, I'm going to take the Steelers here. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I think the Steelers needed to lose. I think that's what was. I think that's what needed to happen, and you know, albeit be it a Washington team from the NFC that has no 
you know, anything it doesn't affect your playoff race. Well, I mean, it does because now, I mean, they still have the 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 lead over the Chiefs, but um, because they didn't lose to an AFC team, they lost to an NFC team. So if you're going to lose one, fine. Let let Alex Smith have his glory. Um, but I think they have a bounce back game. They needed to lose one. I think they're going to be fine. I don't I don't see them skidding like some people have imagined. I've seen a lot of trash towards the Steelers because of the teams they beat. We talk about it all the time. You play the teams on your schedule. Yeah. Um, guys, uh, I really like what the Steelers have been doing all season, but the hot hand is in Buffalo right now. I think this Buffalo is playing better football. The Steelers, remember, uh, they're without Bud Dupree now. He's out for the season, already had some injuries to that defense. Um, you know, they're winning ugly when they are winning. It hasn't been pretty from the Steelers the last couple of weeks. I just fell in love with what the Bills did on Monday night. I mean, like, I was jumping out of my seat, I kid you not, every time Josh Allen threw the football on Monday. Like, I could not believe what I was seeing before my eyes. Just darts, putting the ball in places that just seemed unimaginable on Monday. It it was just ridiculous. I got to go with the Bills here to cover it, too, but that's not a diss on the Steelers, just more so who's got the hotter hand right now. I'll go with Buffalo and take care of business at home. Jesus Josh Dolphins. Allen is Tyler's man crush. No, 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 no. I, I have he, a lot of respect. His, no, no, no. His, his it's NFL all respect. Purdy. No, no, no. It's just his respect. Uh, I like Josh Allen. I, I wouldn't even call myself a fan. Just respect. Game recognizes game. That's all it is. Oh, he's getting an Amy Smith Allen jersey. <laughs> Coming in. Chiefs, call Amy. Chiefs and Dolphins. Chiefs are a seven-point favorite. Guys, I, I'm going to shock you here. For the first time all season, I am not taking the Chiefs to cover the spread. And let me tell you why. Last four games, the Chiefs have won, but they have not covered. This team is winning by margins that I would actually blame Vegas for. Vegas is giving too much value in the Chiefs right now. This team's playing good football. Don't get me wrong. And maybe they're not scoring 40 points every game. But these... Uh, what we're seeing is these spreads are just too high. Miami's a good team. I know Bo tried saying a couple weeks ago the Raiders are better than the Dolphins. He was wrong about that. The Dolphins are a better team. The Dolphins, <laughs> I, I like what this team has. Um, Chiefs win. They win in Miami, but I think the Dolphins keep it within seven. Bo, I'll give you a chance to respond. Uh, Chiefs favorite is seven. Oh, Jesus, man, you can't be more wrong. Um, no, you're right about the spreads. Like, totally Get what you're saying there. You're not wrong on that. Uh, the Raiders are a better team than the Dolphins. No, no, um, they're not. Did you not hey, watch yeah. that Jets game? They almost lost the Jets. Hey, hey, look, look, look. Everybody plays one. Everybody plays one. That's why teams don't go 16 and 0. It's only <laughs> happened once. It happens. Everyone loses one they shouldn't lose. Then the Falcons the week before? Did you miss that one too? Hey, just. Uh, I was I'm looking for you. Matt Ryan to do those Matt Ryan things, and I was very disappointed. Hey, Matt Ryan, he, he did it against the Saints. Uh, but, <laughs> hey, let's go. I, I'm I, I'm one of those Raiders against the Dolphins. I, Dolphins are not a bad team. Dolphins are the youngest team in the NFL. And I think Brian Flores did a fantastic job with this team. You and I were talking, because on the Jones Report a couple weeks ago when you had me on, and you said I said, is Brian Flores doing as good a job as any Belichick assistant has ever done as a head coach? Yes. And I think he may have. Um, Nick Saban aside. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but no, I, I think the Dolphins are looking up. 
But I think this situation now, the spread has come down because of the last three weeks. And I think the Chiefs are ready to make a statement. They have not played their best football the last two weeks. And last week, the defense played better than the offense. Yeah. Now, I about threw the remote control at one point. I've texted you about this last week. <laughs> On Sunday night, I had to turn the game off for a couple of minutes when Chris Collinsworth said Daniel Sorensen's playing like John Lynch. <laughs> I would have thrown him out the booth. I, would have, not, I don't mean out the door. I mean out the window. If he just said that in front of me. Um, but, no, the Chiefs have – I was worried two or three weeks ago. I'm not a Chiefs fan, but a couple weeks ago, I was saying, hey, I was worried with the defense. Their defense has played better the last couple of weeks. They played really well last week. Now, I'm not saying Mahomes is in a slump because I don't think he is. The offense didn't play as well last week. It was a tough game. You're going to, again, you're going to have one of those. Chiefs were good and won the game. I think they're going to make a statement. And I think the, the Dolphins are in trouble here. I like the Chiefs. All right, Tom, who you got here? I agree with you on the spread. Um, if this, if it was like five and a half, six, probably would take the Chiefs. Um, but Dolphins, I like what they've been doing. Uh, I think they have a solid defense. I think they can give Mahomes just enough fits for the Chiefs to once again not cover but win. All I right, take the Dolphins. All right, so you're going with the Dolphins. TJ's going with the Chiefs. Bo's going with the Chiefs, and uh, we'll move on from there. The Ravens take it on the Browns. Ravens are a one-point favorite this game in Cleveland. Cleveland coming off a big win against Tennessee last week. The Ravens looked really nice on Tuesday against the Cowboys. Granted, it was Dallas. Bo, we'll start with you this time. Baltimore or Cleveland? I watched a bunch of the Cleveland game this past week, and, and the Browns look good. I hate to be that guy that says they played well last week, so they got to keep it going. Generally speaking, in the NFL, that does not work. Um, and I did not see the, the Ravens game, but I know they played the Cowboys. That's all you need to know about the Cowboys. They, they played the Cowboys. They're <laughs> awful. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying that as a Cowboy hater. That team's just awful. Um, I, I'm wondering how the Browns are the one-point dog at home. Right? I, yeah. Who's a better team? Browns. The Browns. Browns are a better team. If you were going to say which team right now does better in the playoffs, Ravens, Browns, 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 I want Cleveland. You're going to give me the Cleveland in the point. Wrong team favorite. This is the game. If I was going to bet one, I said it was one, maybe two. This is the one NFL game I'd bet. I'd take Cleveland. And Baker Mayfield's actually done pretty well against Baltimore in his career, believe it or not. Um, he, looked, he looked fantastic this past week. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's Baker. He, he's he. Uh, you just put some talent around him and watch him unleash. He could go. Um, Tom, who you got here? Ravens or Browns? Man, I hate picking the Browns, but I'm gonna have to do it this week. They made us all eat crow last week. Um, and the Ravens are, you know, not. I don't know what's wrong with them. It's just been a mess all season. Um, so I'll take the Browns here. I hate doing it, but. You know, there's, I, I gotta, I gotta pick them to win. So it sounds like we're all on the same page with the Browns on that pick there, um, with the way that they've been playing as of late, and Baltimore, uh, you know, on the verge of missing the playoffs. And you'd have to think uh, if they lose this one, their playoff hopes are pretty much doomed 
uh, if that's the case. A couple more for you. Patriots taking on the Rams. Uh, this game uh, gives uh, gives gives Thomas uh, some uh, some bad memories uh, years back, some PTSD of sorts. Uh, Rams are a five point favorite. Tom, uh, do you lose sleep at night about not just one but two Super Bowls against that Patriots team? No, not not the least bit. Um, you know, I was so when the first one happened, I was just a wee young lad. That's when I was first a Rams fan because of Marshall Falk. And, yeah, I was sad then. And then it's kind of like, well, you know, could have given us, you know, two Super Bowls to St. Louis. But, you know, one one's good enough. The, the only Super Bowl for the Rams that they have the trophy for was in St. Louis. So that's one thing L.A.'s lacking. Uh, the other Super Bowl that they lost was to your Steelers. Um, but. The last one, I was just happy the Rams were out of mediocrity and no more seven and nine bullshit, as Jeff Fisher called it. Um, and you know, we haven't been seven and nine bullshit. You know, last season for the Rams was not great, but this season so far, good. And I've given you guys shit, not not Brian, not Bo, but um, just for picking against them, I'm gonna surprise you. I'm gonna, I'm guessing you're gonna toss it to me first here. Um, I'm going to take the Patriots. I think the Rams win. I'm going to give you a definite score. Rams 24, Pats 20. Uh, I think five is just too many points. Kind of how I feel about Oregon, uh, the game we picked earlier. I feel the same way about this one. Uh, Patriots, I'm sure, did not fly back to Massachusetts. Uh, I'm sure they stayed right right in L.A., and I don't blame them. Um they just blew out the Chargers. Uh, Jared Goff's struggle has a, I'm sure, has a, I don't know what you'd call it, a, a something about him, a tick to him when he plays the Patriots. Um, so, and Goff's been one really good game, one not so hot game. He just played really well against the Cardinals. Had a phenomenal game, actually, maybe his best all year. Um, I think he still has a. I'll bet not bad game, but I don't think it's enough to just absolutely demolish the Patriots. Like I said, five, a little too much. Here's here's how I here's how I take this. If the Rams just blow the doors off of them and win, then I'm like, fine, my team won. If the Rams don't win or don't cover, I still win the pick. So it's kind of a win-win situation here. I think this is, might be the first time all year I have not taken the Rams. We'll see how it works. So you don't take the Rams for the first time this year. The first time I don't take the Chiefs this year. So uh, normally, bite me right. Normally I would hound you for that, but since I did not pick the Chiefs this week, um, I'll lay off you. We'll let you have that pick. That's fine. You can have the Patriots this week. Uh, I'm going to go with the Rams here. Patriots were phenomenal last week in uh, adding to the Chargers' misery um, with, <laughs> with that 45 to nothing game. But the Patriots with Cam and company have been so inconsistent this year. They're a different team every week. The Rams uh, have been solid all season long. Great defense, a lot of talent on offense. They're at home, and they've been terrific at home this year for the most part. Um, I'll go with the Rams to uh, win and cover at 5 Bo, you get to split the decision here. Who you got? Okay, this is the hardest game of the week to pick. Um, Rams it's also on Thursday. Place. 
It's Thursday. The Patriots did get to stay in L.A. Uh, teams have not been able to stay. And they've gone East Coast and back or West Coast and back. The NFL's not let them do it. But because the game's on Thursday, they did let the Patriots stay. I did see that earlier. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm almost leaning toward Tom on this because I do like the, I like the Patriots. However, this is why I like the Patriots in a way. Patriots have won four of the last five. The one loss is to the Texans. The Texans have played really well the last few weeks under Romeo Cornell. Um, I don't think they're the heckle and ju- uh, the heckle and uh, heckle and Claudia. Yeah, they haven't, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I'm out of it. Uh, they haven't been like that all se- the, lately. I think that they've been playing more solid. But I also want to stick to my guns that I've been on the Rams all season. They are Thomas's team. But I said I'd like the Rams to win the division. Now they're in the lead in the division. They're going to hold on to it. And I think they're going to squeak out the cover as well. So I'm going to take the Rams. All right. I love it. So so Bo likes the Rams more than Thomas does, um, is what we found out there. TJ going with the Rams as well. Tom, the only one taking the Patriots. Last game, Colts taking on the Raiders. The Colts are three-point favorites traveling to Las Vegas. We mentioned the Raiders have not played well the last two weeks. Uh, meanwhile, the Colts with Phillip Rivers and company had a disappointing loss against Tennessee a couple weeks ago, but for the most part, it's been a solid year for Indy. Bo, we'll start with you this time. You're going with Indy or Las Vegas uh, that came from Allegiant Stadium with the Colts favored by three. Okay, I'm taking the Raiders. I'm taking the Raiders. Um, it's a surprise, surprise. I like it. I'm big on the Raiders. Uh, I have not bought on the Colts all season. Still not buying them. Uh, they should have lost the game last week to the Texans. Um, Watson fumbles inside the 10 or the 20. It was inside at least the 20 in the red zone there at the end. Um, that team's – the Colts would be so good if anybody else other than Phillip Rivers was that quarterback. He is almost to Matt Ryan still in – you know what? Let's do it. Every time Phillip Rivers gets a paycheck, what's he doing? Stealing He's stealing money. money. <laughs> He's stealing money. Um, I like the Raiders. I, I know they haven't played well the last two weeks. They had a miracle help them last week. But I I really think they're going to do something. I just – I think, it's, again, you have these ebbs and flows of the season. You play two bad ones. You're due to have a good one. They're coming home. A Colts team doesn't have a great quarterback play. You know, they're coming off a, lot, a win they should have lost. I think I'm going to go with the Raiders. Okay. All right. Uh, Tom, who you got here? <laughs> you know, I like the Colts here. It is in Vegas, and I'm hesitant to pick the Colts here. I really am. This is one of the – this was more tough for me than picking the Patriots to, you know, I guess, I guess better to say – this was harder than me picking the Rams to not cover. Uh, you got to put the good vibes on that. Um, with that being said, like I said, I'll take the Colts. I think the Raiders are great. I think this game could go either way. I wish the Raiders were favored, obviously, instead. But um, I will go ahead and I will I will ride with the Colts this week. All right. I'll go with the Colts here. Um, neither one of these teams are going anywhere in the postseason by any stretch. Um, but I think the Colts are a slightly better team right now 
And I know I've been dogging the Colts all season long, but um, I, I think that when you look at that defense, what they have about everywhere but the quarterback position is a solid group. I'll go with the Colts to take care of business. So those are our picks for this week for the O'Connor Advisory Group. Picks can pick them. TJ going to go with the Colts there as well. And uh, that does it for this week. Bo, before we let you run here, tell us where people can contact you and uh, find out more about O'Connor Advisory Group. Hey, check us out at O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com. If you want the easy way, it's O-A-G-K-S.com. Uh, we're available. You can check us out 24-7 there. There is a way to contact me directly right on the site. So go on and do that. Check us out. The site's up. It looks great. And a lot of info on there. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a shout. couple more things before we run. Let's talk college football and the college football playoff. Here's how things stack up right now in the college football playoff standings. No changes to the top six, and that has been par for the course through three weeks of the college football playoff rankings. As currently right now, Alabama's one, Notre Dame's two, Clemson's three, Ohio State's four, Texas A&M five, and Florida is six. Iowa State jumps all the way up to seven, passing up Cincinnati, who's 8-0. And Cincinnati not going to play this week against Tulsa uh, as they have some COVID issues. They'll play each other in the, the uh, uh, conference championship game coming up next week. Georgia at nine. They're 6-2 and two on the year. Ten is Miami, 8-1. and one. Oklahoma, 7-2. and two. Indiana, 6-1. and one. So here's the scenarios. Here's what we're looking at right now when it comes to this college football playoff picture. Alabama is essentially in at this point. Um, I don't picture Alabama losing this week to Arkansas. And, you know, I don't think that Florida can just blow them out in the SEC championship game either. Win or lose, whatever that may be, Alabama's been so good all year long. Alabama is already locked into the playoff. Notre Dame. They do not have to play a game this week. The ACC helped them out and canceled their game this week, and so they'll play Clemson next week in the ACC title. As long as Clemson does not, uh, as long as Notre Dame does not get blown out, um, which they're still facing Clemson, that still very well could happen. But as long as Notre Dame doesn't get embarrassed, Notre Dame's in, so that's the spot taken. Clemson, if they beat Notre Dame, they are in the ACC title game. Uh, they're, they're in the uh, college football playoff at that point. They had to beat them in the ACC title game. If they lose, Clemson is out. Um, so let's say for all intents and purposes here, Tom, that Clemson beats Notre Dame, it's a close margin, and that Alabama wins out and holds on to a playoff spot. Then you have one spot up for grabs, and that's where things start to get interesting. Ohio State was supposed to play Michigan this week, but Michigan had some COVID-19 issues, and so Michigan canceled the game. And we told you on this very show that Michigan might just find a way to weasel out of that game, uh, come up with some COVID issues of some sorts. Maybe they actually did have legit COVID issues. I don't know. But either way, Michigan's not playing. And Ohio State, instead of doing the right thing and you know working with their conference that apparently will just – you know, get on their knees and do whatever they want for Ohio State, it seems. Um, instead of doing, you know, making a case of some sorts, 
of playing like, I don't know, Texas A&M, who also had a game this week, uh, you know, seeking that out there. They're going to enjoy the week off. They're going to play in the Big Ten title game next week against Northwestern. And then they're going to hope that six wins in a Big Ten title in a game that was gifted to them to even appear in is good enough to make the college football playoff. And here's two things on that, Tom. One of those being, I think that Ohio State is going to get in the playoff. As unfortunate as it is, and as undeserving as it is, for a six-win team to get into the playoff that their best win is against an unathletic Indiana team and was gifted a spot in the a championship, I think that you know you, you have this uh, you know major program privilege of sorts in college football. Ohio State, they're not going to leave them out. They'll get in. Should they get in? No, absolutely not. That's a whole other story. But based on the way these committee rankings have gone and the way things have lined up for Ohio State, the only reason why they even brought Big Ten football back was for Ohio State to get a shot, shot at the playoff here. It's disgusting, but it's the reality. I think that the system's flawed. We're going to see Ohio State in. It's unfortunate, but I think that's the reality of what things are setting course for right now. Texas A&M would deserve it over Ohio State. Um, you know, a one-loss Florida team would deserve it over Ohio State. I mean, heck, I think you could make a case for the Big 12 champion, Iowa State or Oklahoma, to make it in over Ohio State. It's unfortunate, but I think that's the reality that's going to hit towards us here in a couple weeks, Tom. Yeah, I think so, too. And and unfortunately, you know, what it's come down to is is – Jones, I'm, I'm looking for the tweet right now. I'm sorry. What it's pretty much come down to is what your your buddy Tim Brando said. And I don't know if you saw. Uh, I don't know if you saw what he had to say on the college football playoff. And, and here's a couple things here um, from Tim, from our buddy Tim Brando. He had pretty much mentioned um, Ohio State getting into the bowl. Um and in saying just how trash it was that you know the the brand the brand type thing matters um you know what your brand as a as a team is and he had this to say too he he actually uh quoted a tweet from bruce feldman man we're all over the board here we're everywhere uh, we know all these people. Coastal Carolina only up to number 13 despite wins over BYU and a good Louisiana team. The big t- top Big 12 team at their place by 17. Come on, beating a four-loss Auburn team shouldn't be seen as such a college football playoff bonanza. Tim Brando, not surprising they're not pure playoff privileged. If the wounds opened up for all to see the COVID plague season doesn't make it clear the exclusionary practices of the college football playoff, then it never will. Situational ethics exhibited last week by the ACC. No one cares. It's pathetic. I'm looking for the OG tweet from this, really. And he had a he had something great to say. I can't. I don't. I want to go verbatim instead of you know. There it is. He said, "Yeah, I hated the BCS. Remember the daily countdown to the death of the BCS. Worse is the college football playoff. The BCS at least had criteria that worked for all teams. Adding." Boise State, Broncos sports football was a real factor, though. They never quite got there. 
the college football play of even more predictable and exclusive. Jones, I think Timmy hit this head. I hate to hit the nail on the head here. Um, and, and you hit the nail on the head saying that the Big Ten only played football this year so they could get Ohio State in. They, I'm sure they talked to somebody and said, listen, what's the least amount of games that we can play to try to sneak the Buckeyes in? And they said, well, this many. And then with COVID, if you can't play, try and play as many games as you can and hope that the Big 12 sucks cock and <laughs> the Pac-12 is, <laughs> is irrelevant. Sorry for the – that's almost more vulgar than saying an actual cuss word, but I don't care. Um, you're exactly right. You hit the nail on the head. It's it's ridiculous that they can do that and get away with it. And Tim Brando's actually, you know, absolutely right on the exclusionary process of the college football playoff. And and him even bringing up the BCS. I was I was thinking about it today when I read that tweet. I thought, you know, he's absolutely right. We talked so much trash on the BCS, only for the college football playoff to be almost more. You know, like you said, exclusionary, where, you know, if you don't, if you're not a blue blood, you're not getting in. And and don't get me wrong, I don't think Cincinnati deserves to be there. And and I'm a little disheartened that Tulsa didn't get their shot at Cincinnati. um, They will next week. Yeah, Yeah, I guess that's true. Maybe. Maybe we can go to that game next week. I don't know what you're doing next it's week. It's in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, it's not. It wasn't supposed to play, be played at Chapman. Next week's the conference championship game, and it's going to be played at the higher ranked team. Which, barring something drastically changing, Cincinnati will be the higher ranked team. Um, That's trash. You skipped the game in Tulsa just to play play at home. That is, yeah, how convenient, right? Yeah, do you want to go to Cincinnati? Hey, I'm down. I've never been I'm to just kidding. I've never been to <laughs> I've never been to Ohio. I've always wanted to go actually. Um Oh, she was playing like trash this season, maybe I'll suit up in my old TU jersey and we can go. But no, I don't know if you read that Tim Brando tweet or not. I but did. That's that's nail on the head. Yeah. Um and it's not a surprise. I mean, you could make a case that the BCS would have been better served for this season than the, than the playoff. Think about this. Oh, you you're the, right. Think about this. If you have the BCS this year, um, Alabama is already locked in pretty much. Um, win or lose to Florida, they are in. And, well, and, and I guess if they lost to Florida, maybe they, they fall out. Maybe you get an Alabama-Florida rematch. Um, maybe you get you know Clemson-Notre Dame, whatever it may be. You know at this point that it would be Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, or Florida in that national title game. And I think you would sit here today and be pretty content. All right, you know what? That's fine. Any of those four teams, I will sit here and be okay with any of those four teams going to the national title game. But the fact that we're sitting here and Ohio State is getting that playoff privilege, I mean, it's just disgusting. And it would be one thing. It would be one thing if you told me, Ohio State just ran through the Big Ten. Look at all these powerhouse teams they beat in the Big Ten. I mean, Indiana? That's their best win? I mean, don't get me wrong. Indiana had a historic year this year, their best year in a long time. That team wasn't athletic. I mean, 
What were the four-star recruits on an Indiana team? They won at home against Indiana by seven points. People keep saying that, well, if you just look at the eye test, you know, Ohio State just passes it. You can't have a playoff without Ohio State. Based on what? Based on what can you say that about Ohio State? I don't see it. Now, I'm not saying that Ohio State can't go out there and win the playoff. They're going to be more fresh than anybody else is. But don't give me the bull crap four or five years ago that, well, TCU and Baylor, you guys didn't have that 13th data point, and Ohio State just did. Where are the data points for Ohio State? Where are the quality wins? It's it's resume and it's the eye test. And the eye test says there wasn't enough data points for the dang eye test, for crying out loud. I, I'm going to be very disappointed if Ohio State finds their way in, and they very well could could win this just simply being by far the freshest team of anybody in there. Jones, I said we go to Cincinnati and watch Tulsa win, then drive a little east, burn down the city of Columbus. I'm down. Let's burn it all. Take it all to hell there in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> what kind of year that we're talking about, we'd prefer the BCS this year. You right. know that, that means it's been a terrible year. Oh, I mean, this is – I love college football. It's my favorite sport, but this has been a, such a down year for college football. And I'm glad we played. Still am, of course. But this has not been – a great year for college football uh, in, in actuality, the way that this is unraveled, unfolded. If Ohio State doesn't have the intest- in, in, uh, intestinal fortitude to go out there and play Texas A&M, then don't give them a chance at the playoff. That's my two cents. But uh, with that being said, we will uh, get on with the rest of the show. A couple more things. Tom Fullery coming up in just a bit. I do want to talk some Big 12 hoops real quick. Uh, KU gets a big win against Creighton uh, the other night at Allen Fieldhouse. 2,500 fans at the Fog. First game with fans uh, all season. And believe it or not, about 500 of them at least were Creighton fans that made the trip. And I know that Creighton had a player in Mitch uh, Ballack who was from Eudora, which is about 10 miles from Lawrence. Um, You know, that was big for him, of course, to finally get to play against KU at Allen Fieldhouse. But still... Crazy that that happened. That should never happen. Any team walk into Allen Fieldhouse and have some sort of home court advantage of some sorts. But nonetheless, KU wins. They get the win over Creighton. And I talked to Aaron Torres of Fox Sports Radio on my show earlier this week, my radio show. And one of the things I was talking about with Aaron was that, okay, has Kansas looked flashy? Have they looked spectacular? No, not by any means. But you beat Creighton. You beat Kentucky. You hung in there with Gonzaga, who was clearly the number one team in the country. This KU team's fine. You know, they're they're not the best thing since sliced bread by any means, but they're going to be okay. The pieces are there. Jalen Wilson has been one of the best players in America in 2020, coming totally out of the blue. Um, sure, they're playing with five guards, but McCormick's been getting better the last couple games. This team's going to figure it out. So, um, I know there's some worry, there's there's some concern of some sorts, but you got a better than expected player in Jalen Wilson, who all of a sudden has looked like a national player of the year candidate, and you got a team that's still finding ways to win. Folks, Kansas is going to be just fine. Yeah, I think so too. And and really, Jones, you you mentioned the Creighton and the fans and things. 
Really, I liked what Bill Self had to say about buying back the tickets. Uh, you tweeted it out, and I thought that was awesome for Bill Self to just be like, you know what? Screw that. We'll just, uh, you know, if, if that's the case and that's how it's going to roll, I'll buy the tickets myself. Right. I mean, it's it's one thing for Chris Jones last year of the Chiefs to be telling people after the Vikings game, don't be selling your tickets and just leaving it at that. For Bill Self to actually back it up and say, don't sell your tickets. I will buy them personally, and I will give them to KU fans. Call up the box office. We'll make sure KU people get them. Um, he actually backed up what he said. He wasn't just saying something. He, he meant what he said. I, I applaud that from Bill. Yeah, I did like to see that. I was like, all right, Bill, coming with the heat, coming with the smoke. Um, and, you know, to pull it out, you know, a little gritty game. Creighton's not a bad team, and you mentioned the fans that did show up. I mean, how far is Creighton? It's not that three hours of a drive, is it? Yeah, that's not bad. And, and you know, Creighton, this being a, a pretty big game for them, obviously, and, and it being, you know, a, a place where you can actually have fans. They don't have football. Um, you know, hell, I've made I've made a lot longer drives to see OSU lose um, than, than Creighton to pull out, you know, come within a couple of points or just a point of, of KU at home. I oh, mean, yeah. I don't, well, I, and it was a, it was a four o'clock start. So you could, oh. you could have worked a half day and then come home and slept in your own bed, you know, make a day trip, you know, it just made sense coming from Omaha. So I totally get that. Uh, I, I don't have a huge problem with Creighton fans uh, making their presence known because that was an anomaly for that type of thing to happen. But with the way that that's Jay- a hard flex, yeah, with the way Jalen Wilson's played, Kate Cunningham has been phenomenal, uh, and Jared Butler, of course, has been great for Baylor. Um, some of the best talent in the country is right here in the Big Twelve Conference. Tom, I mean, we're we're talking about. And I don't think this is a stretch to say. I think you might even have three potential first-team All-Americans right there in the Big 12 Conference with Jalen Wilson, Cade Cunningham, and Jared Butler. I am so excited. We're just a couple days away from conference play. Hell, conference play already started with TCU and Oklahoma on on Sunday of last week. We're in for a treat when we get to see all this talent come together uh, here in the uh, the coming days of some of these marquee matchups in the league. I think so, and I don't think it's out of the realm to say that you could have that many All Americans. You know, I I mean, just the talent level alone. I mean, you know, I know Baylor's you know really well, and obviously KU's there, but uh, you know, I, I guess for the top talent that we have, we have. A, a another team from Kansas lose to another team from Kansas in the D2. And then we have TCU losing to Providence. Providence. Uh, I mean... Did, did you have a nice laugh at K-State's expense? Yeah, and Bruce Weber's got to be gone. I mean, we talk about it all the time. Bruce Weber this, Bruce Weber that. He's He's got to be gone, right? Oh, my gosh. That was about as low as it gets. You lose to. He should have been fired immediately. (laughs) So, Fort Hayes, Tom, they were without their head coach and they were without their top assistant and they were 0 3 entering that game on Tuesday night before they went into Bramlage and beat K State. 
I mean, Bruce Weber's he's got to be gone, <laughs> right? Um, you know, K State fans, a lot of them when they went to the Elite Eight a couple of years ago, were were pissed that they made it to the Elite Eight because they said, "Now we can't get rid of Bruce." <laughs> and they were right. Stuff like this happens. Yeah. Wow. Um, but I, I got to say, I always root for the Big 12. Don't get me wrong. But part of me did get a chuckle out of seeing K-State have that collapse of some sorts. K-State, people have made fun of KU football and been such you know, a joke for so long. It, it, was, it was nice just to see K-State people have a little taste of their own medicine just for a few moments on Tuesday night. I'm not going to lie about that, Tom. No, I don't blame you. I mean, yeah, I root for the Big 12, but, I mean, you can only root so hard until it's just like, come on. <laughs> it gets like, Whoa. Right, So you, you have know, a slow clap. I, I hate to see it, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what, K-State? You take that on the chin for hiring, you know, keeping Bruce around for so long. And- right, this is the cost you pay for, for keeping Bruce Weber around, for passing on Brad Underwood, bringing him home or finding a way to bring back Lon Kruger, so many of those great coaches. Think about this, just the names associated with with K-State that are at other programs right now, Tom. Uh, Lon Kruger, Brad Underwood, Dana Altman, all those are just off the top of my head. Guys, uh, you know, Bob Huggins, um, and they're still stuck with Brucey. Yeah, I mean, at, at that point, you you make your own bed. <laughs> oh man, um, with uh, with conference play coming up, just uh, real quick here, Tom. What what are you most looking forward to seeing as uh, we get towards conference play here? I think this league is phenomenal. The Big Ten is great. I think the Big Twelve is right up there, but. Uh, night in and night out, this is going to be such a challenge in this league. I- I'm most intrigued just by the, just by the names, the the Jalen Wilsons, the Cade Cunninghams, the the Jared Butlers of the world. That's what most intrigues me is just that. Not only do we have good basketball in this conference, we have star power. We have you know guys that uh, will be household names if they aren't already in this league by the end of the year. That's what intrigues me about 2020 through 2021, the Big 12 Conference. What about you? Yeah, and if it's not, honestly, you know, for being an OSU fan and seeing Boyden build the team the way that he has, I mean, that's my bias love to see. I'm most excited about KU Baylor. And we, we t- I talked about this on the show not what, last week probably, uh, just about how excited I was to see the KU Baylor games again, because last year they were so great. Uh, that's, that's gotta be my most look forward to thing, to be honest. Yeah, that's a, that's a good choice on your part. Uh, uh, KU Baylor. And that will be the last game of the regular season. As of right now, uh, they've built some leeway in, in case they need to make up some games with uh, COVID-19. So, uh, we'll see how things uh, go from there. But before we get out of here today, Tom, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Where are we headed to this time? Jones, so we're going to church. We are going to church. It's been a while and, since you've been there, right? Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, but we're going, specifically, we're going to Cali. And Jones, there was a place in Tulsa, actually, a strip club called Lady Godiva's um, that 
whatever one of the news channels in Tulsa reported on that they had found a loophole in the government. You know, this is this is the government loophole of the state government because Oklahoma barred the the churches or not the churches, but the restaurants and bars from being open past 11. Well, a Cali church and they're more restrictive on COVID. They restricted more than bars and restaurants. They restricted churches, I guess, too. Um, and the title of this one comes from discern.com to California mega churches rebrand as strip clubs to defy government lockdown orders. This is, uh, comes out December the 8th. The pastors of two Cali churches did a family friend. <laughs> this what? Oh uh, my goodness. Jones. I'm going to, I don't know if you took a look at this yet. Pastors of two California churches did a family-friendly striptease in their Sunday services, removing their ties to mock the state's shutdown of churches while allowing adult establishments to remain open. Pastor Jurgen Matthias of Awakened Church in San Diego posted a video on Insta from taking off his tie in front of the congregation. Uh, Pastor Rob McCoy of Godspeak Calvary Chapel in Thousand Oaks had similar striptease where he removed his tie in a twenty or a November 22nd service before blasting the government calling Christians to preach gospel by defying government tyranny and contending for their neighbors' livelihoods in the public square. McCoy and his church have faced numerous penalties for ignoring government orders in recent months. Early this month, a California judge ruled that strip clubs have a First Amendment right to reopen while churches are forced to remain closed. In response, former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee said on Fox News that churches should reopen as temporary strip clubs. Churches should announce their pastor will move his tie during the sermon and therefore he will take off an article of clothing, making it a temporary strip club so that people will be able to go to church. Uh, Jones, you know, I applaud this just a little bit. Just, just, just a hair. Just, uh, just a little bit. I applaud this just a little bit. I think it's funny. I don't agree that strip clubs should be open and churches closed. I think if <laughs> I think if it's one, take. then it should be all. I think if it's one, then it should be all. You're going to close the strip clubs, close the churches. You're going to close the churches, close the strip clubs. Uh, like I said, I've said it before. I've said it on Twitter. I've said it multiple times. You can get COVID anywhere. And that goes for Oklahoma. Kevin Stick can get the smoke too. You can get the you can get COVID in a restaurant bar before 11 you can get COVID I'm sure you can get COVID today tonight tomorrow the next day the next two weeks the next year at Victory Christian in Tulsa um, and they've obviously been under a lot of heat I do enjoy a, the tomfoolery that is taking off the necktie and swinging around like in one of these videos on here <laughs> and rebranding re as a temporary strip club. Uh, I know probably the old church heads probably don't enjoy saying rebrand as a strip club. I'm sure they don't. But at the same time, I applaud the creativity to get through that loophole. Even, even if I don't agree with public gatherings that large especially even it's not a small church sure you know how now, about small now hold on hold on here now i, I don't want to turn this into a covid debate because there's other shows to do that um, okay there's plenty of others out there but you know there there is a uh freedom of religion you know separate from state that 
uh, allows churches to make these decisions for themselves. So I'll put that out there. But with that being said, I uh, respect the hustle <laughs> from these churches to put in the effort, to find a way to have a gathering of some sorts. Um, you know, that is uh, it, it, to try, you know, that because you think about it, too, some of these churches, your members don't necessarily have Internet access, uh, you, know, you know, ways that make it easy to gather, especially for older folks here. And they tried something and it worked. May not necessarily been the most moral. I don't know if that's how you want to call it, but uh, a valiant effort nonetheless. It, <laughs> yeah, it's all in good fun. Yeah, I think it is. I, I I wonder what I wonder what other churches what links they would go to, what other links would they would go to if they had to temporarily rename the church, <laughs> right? And I wonder if it flip flopped for whatever reason. I wonder. Let's flip flop the case. Okay, if 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 you know churches, if the pastor had to remove his necktie and swing it around. To be classified as a temporary strip club to remain open. If it's flip flopped and strip clubs are forced to close and they want to go through the same loophole, what then do they do to stay open? Oh, I think they do the exact same thing. What? I guess what church thing would they do? Oh, they, they, that could. they could. What? I mean, what could they get away with without being too blasphemous? Um. Now, I mean, see, they really couldn't have a. They really couldn't play gospel in there and strip, strip to it. No, no, but that's it's it's not that hard. That's almost too far for me, right? And I'm pretty free range. It, it's not very hard goes. to get a uh, a church license of some sorts to go get ordination and stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, if you can get married in Vegas and be an ordained minister, right? So they just get an ordained minister in the strip club. I'm not trying to give any ideas. But it would not be hard for this to be done. Let's put it that way. Change all stars to something else. <laughs> change the name, temporary name change. Uh, I don't even want to go there. Um, I, I feel like I'm <laughs> walking on some thin ice if I say anything more about any suggestions uh, to help out these people uh, to take, stay open in the name a hot of church. Shower. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel dirty just talking about that. But with that being said, let's go. Let's get out of here before I say anything I regret. Uh, big thanks to Aaron Ladd for joining us uh, here on the Jones Report, making his debut. And I uh, also want to thank Brian O'Connor of O'Connor Advisory Group for stopping by as well. As always, subscribe to the Jones Report on Apple, Spotify, and Google Play. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Facebook.com forward slash Toggler Jones Live, Toggler Jones Media Group. Twitter at Toggler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at TJ Media Group. Instagram, uh, Jones underscore Report, Toggler Jones Live, and Insta Thomas. You can find us there, and we will see you right back here on Monday for another edition of the Jones Sport. Don't forget also to check out Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Got a new episode out this week talking about the early days and David's debut at the Circuit of the Americas in Austin, which the uh, NASCAR Cup Series will be racing at next season. So get some insights on that and uh, talking about Dave's uh, early days in the career, his career, how A.J. Foyt got him involved in uh, racing. So definitely want to check that out. 
there if you get a chance. That does it for today's show. We'll see you back here on Monday. So long, everybody.